Good evening and welcome to the MJ Cast. This is Jamin Bull here. I'm here with my co-host Q. Got a fun show planned for everybody. We're going to do a little uh, retrospective on on the year so far, 2017. Uh, we're going to give you guys some updates on Michael Jackson and Jackson family news. Uh, we're going to do some highlights of season three of the MJ Cast for you guys to listen to and reminisce on. Uh, we'll we'll uh, throw in some bloopers for fun and then uh, talk about what's to come for the MJ Cast in 2018. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Merry Christmas. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. I love you. <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Q, how you doing, buddy? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Can you believe it already? It's Christmas. It just seemed like like a couple of months ago that it was last Christmas. I can't believe it at all. I'm sitting in my new apartment, love it, but surrounded by crap. Like there's boxes everywhere. Stuff is not unpacked. <laughs> We've been here a week of and course. we're still unpacking. <laughs> oh, please. I've still got, I've been here every year and I've got boxes full in cupboards still. <laughs> oh man, I've seen your amazing videos of uh, all your Christmas decorations up. They, they look awesome. Yes, that will be posted on the social medias at some point. Yes. Probably by the time this episode's come out. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. No, I'm very proud of the tree this year. It's magnificent. I love it. It's the favorite, my favorite tree that I've ever decorated. I think it looks great. And I'm so lucky that the cats don't even like look at it. They don't care about it. They just walk past it. That is so good because when we had cats and we had a Christmas tree, it was, it was a nightmare. So you're very lucky. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm very lucky. I'm counting my lucky stars on that. Olivia, on the other hand, likes to grab everything. Well, you'll have to put it out of reach or something. <laughs> yeah, she can't crawl yet, so she can't get to the tree. But anytime you take her near something, she's just grabbing everything at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be working actually Christmas Day all day and the oh. next day. Actually, that whole week from Monday through to Friday is actually a huge week of work and I will be absolutely shattered at the end of that week. Boxing day off? Yay. No, working all day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, working every single day. Do you get like an extra pay on Christmas Day? No, not really. Not much. It could be a little bit, but it's not much. I don't, yeah. Oh, well, hopefully you get a chance to relax with the hubs at some point. Well, we're going to cram everything into the weekend before Christmas. So Saturday uh, 23rd, Sunday the 24th. Sunday the 24th is going to be crazy busy. We've got parents coming over for lunch, so we're going to cook a big Christmas lunch for them. Uh, And then we've got a neighbor has invited us for Christmas drinks in the late afternoon. And then a tradition a friend has is a delicious green chicken curry Christmas Eve dinner. Uh, so we're going to go up to their house for that and then give all the nephews their presents and stuff, which I still haven't wrapped. So, yeah, I've still got a fair bit to do. Just make sure at some point you play the Jackson 5's Christmas album. The Ultimate Collection. 
That one is so much better. You know, I didn't even know about that until you until you told me. Like, I was always listening to just the original one, but the, the ultimate one has has some really great extra tracks on it. Cool. Well, no, it's it's a good album, but yeah, I've got that in rotation. I've had some Glee Christmas stuff, Disney Christmas music. There's some good stuff out there. There is. There is. Speaking of, can I can I just completely jump off rails and say, com- like, in relation to good music, how uh, happy we are that the Bad Thirty episode's been so well received and and everyone's really enjoyed it. Episode seventy one. Is that correct? Yeah, it was seventy one. Uh, I'm I'm over the moon at how it's been received. the The second half of this year, especially, has we've put out quite a few episodes which have been fairly heavy, fairly uh, how do I say it? Um, Controversial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we were. This is the first year ever of the MJ Cast history that we've actually covered a proper new era, I guess, in an estate product release. And, you know, it's no secret that both you and I are not supportive of the Michael Jackson estate and Sony Music's behavior. So it was difficult to cover that without being really critical. Uh, So it was a breath of fresh air to finally be able to put another episode out that was focused on the music. And uh, that's in big part to Andy Healy, who, you know, came to us with the idea. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I love recording with Chris and Andy. It, It was great. Yep. It was a, a great episode to, to put together, to record and to listen back to. Uh, great music choices, Jamin. You did really well with those. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, and no, it'll be, um, yeah, it's been really well received. And of course, you know, Andy's got a series of books and hopefully by the time this is out or maybe very soon after, the next version will be out, the thriller ebook will be released and uh, we'll definitely be looking at over the you know next year or whatever putting a couple of more of those sort of episodes together with the gents and um, covering some more albums in track by track detail yeah we've already started talking a bit about that on our group chat haven't we about what we can do in the future and it's really exciting to to talk about uh, i think chris has <laughs> especially uh, come away from the experience really excited because he's already speaking about getting some new recording gear to um you know uh record his voice on for potential podcasts and things like that so it's cool to to see him really excited and i can't wait to see where it goes well, I don't want him to have to sit in a car all the time to record episodes. <laughs> so it'd be good if he could move into the house. Hey, I started in a cupboard. Well, yeah, that didn't last long, though, thank goodness. <laughs> no. <laughs> that picture still cracks me up. Oh, God. Anyway. Oh, dear. <sighs> so. Uh, okay. Let me open Let me open the OneNote and, and check where we're up to because it has been a Big year in season three. It's been massive. We've had a huge year. I can't even remember what was going on at the start of the year, but it's sort of been dominated by, you know, like we, well, I guess we started the first half of the year really hoping that we were going to see some kind of, you know, release or something to celebrate Michael in some way. We were talking about it hopefully being the the year where we'd see remastered high definition footage. And we, we certainly did see that. You know, with Some. Thriller 3D. Well, we didn't see it, but other people did. And <laughs> yeah, this year has sort of marked the beginning, I think, of a new chapter where the estate and Sony are finally focusing on presenting Michael's visual 
material and good quality because not not only did we get Thriller 3D, but also, you know, we've, we've seen them remaster Ghosts and Blood on the Dance Floor now and, and put snippets of those things out in different projects on YouTube. So we are we are seeing some some finally some focus on Michael's visual work, which is good, I think. Absolutely. I just had wished Thriller 3D would have got a um, sort of a, a, a bigger release than what it did. I think a lot of things happen behind the scenes that we don't know about. And I think that they probably did have those plans. And then for one reason or another, they just had to shelve them. And and I think next year we'll, we'll see those plans hopefully come to fruition. I, I think it was never going to work, them putting Thriller in the cinema by itself. It needed to be paired with a different movie, I think, because of the runtime. But hopefully if they remaster Ghosts, we'll see that next year. Who knows? But um, yeah, that was an interesting thing. It, I don't want it with another movie. I'm I'm not going to sit and watch a horror movie. I don't like horror movies. We'll we'll see what happens with that. Who knows? That's yeah for next year. But it was it was an interesting development this year for sure. What else happened? Well, we had. When was the Sky Arts thing? Was that last year? No, that was yeah, that was this year, and it was like more at the start of this year. That was huge. Yeah, and crazy. That's, if that's like way back, uh, I know we covered that in episode fifty-one. Uh, the backlash for when they, um, the the it was a part of uh, a series of it was a TV series, and I don't know whether the other episodes came out of the other celebrities, but yeah, there was going to be a Michael Jackson episode where they covered that urban myth of Michael escaping New York. Uh, during the September 11 attacks with Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor uh, driving across the country in a bus, I think it was, which never actually even or happened. Just a car. And they, it was a, yeah. And, they um, cast uh, Joseph Fiennes to play Michael Jackson. Yeah, they cast a white guy as Michael Jackson. And we decided to speak out against that. And Paris, you know, backed up sort of what we said. It just went crazy. And I don't think we'll ever see that. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again because our, oh, I mean, you know what you knew what it was like, but our our Twitter and Facebook accounts were just pinging multiple times a second for like forty eight hours. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, that didn't kill my that didn't kill my iPhone battery as much as them doing that upgrade thing that's killed my iPhone battery now though. My my battery has taken a big hit on the iPhone, so I went into the Apple Store yesterday and tried to fix it. But um, yeah. Anyway, so that was crazy when that happened. Uh, we also had the we had two Michael Jackson TV movies that came out. That's right. The, the, <laughs> the Man in the Mirror one. That was the Ernest Ernest Valentino one. Is that what it was called, Man in the Mirror? Something like that. And then there was the Navi one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the Navi one. That's right. I can't even remember what that was called either. <laughs> they were um, interesting to watch. People, well, I mean, the, the other one, the Ernest Valentino one wasn't really spoken about that much, but the Navi one certainly struck a chord with a lot of people who wouldn't probably call themselves Michael Jackson fans, like the regular public and even casual Michael Jackson fans. And and some big time MJ fans. It was pretty well received. Pretty well received, I've got to say. I personally didn't like it, and you know, we've spoken about that. But I can't deny that it was a good, in terms of just the script, 
it was a good thing, I think, for Michael's legacy and and reputation in the public. I don't need to watch it again. Nah, me neither. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd, if you want to experience that story again, read the Bodyguards book, as far as I'm concerned. Like, you can visualize actual Michael Jackson when you read that and, you know, it's it's factual too. I mean, you watch that film and it's sort of, there's Paris even said there's things that go on in it that didn't actually even happen in real life. So yeah, for me, it's probably similar to the, the Halloween TV show, which I'm sure we'll chat about in a sec. Like it probably wasn't for us. It was probably made for a, you know, a very broad general audience who aren't massive Michael fans. And we happened to watch it living through his life. So we, yeah, Probably wasn't for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of the the cartoon, that happened. That happened in October. Yeah. That was something. No one's talking about it anymore. (laughs) We did. We released an episode and we shared our thoughts on it. So I I don't look back on it and have this horrible taste in my mouth like every other estate project that ever happened, basically. Like, I mean, okay, there's the occasional one they do that's pretty good, like MJ1 and, you know, they... They have a lot of misses, but occasionally they have some hits. And I wouldn't call this one a miss. Like, I don't think about it and I'm like, ugh, that that happened. Like, I thought it was okay, you know. Yeah, it was it was fine. We, we'd spoken about it in the That's show. That's a good word for it. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, it's been a pretty full-on year. A lot's actually happened yeah. this year. We've had a bunch of leaks. We had a concert come out. Uh, we had there was a couple of couple of concerts, I think, some dangerous and history shows. Um, speaking of concerts, Janet did a state of the world tour. She picked up um, some dates that she'd had to postpone after the the birth of her, her baby um, and just tore across the US and amazing reviews and yes. and there's hints that it could be going elsewhere because at the finale concert in I think it was Atlanta she said that this was the last state of the world show for the US leg of the tour so hopefully I just really can't see her slowing down there's I mean I follow a couple of big Janet accounts one of them is Janet's Legacy Matters which is great and then another one is friend of the show Jerome Malone and he he both of those accounts uh, share a lot of sort of insider information and there's lots of reports at the moment about Janet working on new music in the studio so she's not slowing down in terms of recording she looks great she's clearly very very fit at the moment I think that she's on this great role with her performances and and art I can't I just think it I don't think she'll slow down. I think we'll see another big year next year for Janet. She'll probably put an album out and hopefully keep touring. Fingers crossed. Uh, Of course, Tito Jackson, he released his album Worldwide, Tito Time. Yeah. So that was was pretty big news for Tito and exciting. Great album. And and so did um, Reby Jackson's son, Austin Brown. He had an EP come out, Canyon Sessions. That's right. Paris, she has done a lot of stuff this year in terms of activism and interviews and modeling. A bit of a breakout year for Paris Jackson, really. Big time. Yeah. It's been a great. This is the year where she's gone from 
I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't. I don't want to say she was a kid last year or anything like that. But like she last year, I guess she was more Michael Jackson's daughter, Paris. Yeah. This year, she's come into her own, and Paris Jackson. You know, uh, she's been in TV shows. She's signed a huge modeling contract and been on the cover of so many magazines that I can't even remember them all. She's uh, yeah partnered with the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation uh, and and other charities and other causes. She's been very vocal and very active with so many different things. It's been amazing to see. Yeah. So that's been great. It's been another massive year for the Jackson family um, and it doesn't look like it's slowing down. The Jacksons are still touring and next year looks great as well. So... 2017 has been pretty pretty cool and we look and we look forward i guess to to covering more jackson family developments in 2018 yeah huge year for us as well like yeah talk talk about highlights and things like that we've had a big year at the show at the mj cast that's for sure i mean i was really worried that we wouldn't be able to maintain our release schedule based on you know olivia coming into the world and Luckily, Jason did a great job stepping up and um, recording for me for quite a few shows. And we got to see our uh, sister show, the MJ cast and Espanol, really uh, take flight and, and really chase their dreams. And they're now MJ Radio, which is exciting for them. And, you know, I can't wait to see where those guys go in 2018. Uh, talk, talking just about like the year for us and you know, for, for yourself with, you know, your, your baby and your moved house and all of that, it's been exhausting. Yeah. I have to say season three has been the most exhausting of all seasons for sure. Yeah, yeah it really has been. It's, it's, it's been full on. <laughs> it has been full on. It's been the most <laughs> difficult season out of them all so yeah. far. But we made it and we're making some changes which we'll get to at the end of the show we'll talk about what's happening next year and exciting stuff great stuff yeah good stuff really good stuff it's been a big big year for you too though buddy you're now officially married to the hubs according to australian law how good's yes, that that's that's a good thing australia finally caught up to most <laughs> of the world thank god <laughs> thank god um but i don't know like i've i've this has been there's been so many enjoyable moments uh, throughout this season as well. Like we've yes. had some incredible discussions with some incredible people. And if you've just come in late into season three and haven't maybe gone back through some of the back catalogue, I really think some of our best ever interviews were in this season. Like the stories that we've heard from some of our special guests – have just been phenomenal. Like it was tough when we had to go and pick highlights out of episodes. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. There was so many good discussions. Like, my God, I think I wrote down like six highlights just from CJ Davila's episode 54. <laughs> that was hard. There was some incredible stories that he told that were just amazing to hear. You know, Michael Prince. How amazing was that? Uh, I I got to pinch myself at a lot of the interviews that happened this year. Do you remember, Q, do you remember how season three started? How could, well, we're never going to get 
probably bigger than that. I would never think we'd get lucky like that again. But no, but do you do you remember like literally the moment that we heard that that interview was going to be happening? How did it happen? We got a we, didn't we get an it email was a or something? Whirlwind. From- it was a whirlwind. I remember how fast. How what did we have? We had already planned the season to launch with like. With a different Laura. episode with Laura. That's right, and we it had was a um, regular news episode to to be with Laura uh, from Book of Laura on YouTube, uh, and uh, Laura's over on Twitter as well. And then all of a sudden, really quickly, we got an interview with Tito Jackson, and that was just perfect serendipity to launch season three with episode fifty as. Tito of the Jacksons was celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Jacksons. I know. It was crazy. So, here's to hoping for Jermaine for episode 100. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be pretty sweet. That would be sweet. Or maybe, but, no, let's, yeah. go, let's go Jermaine for episode 75 and Janet for episode 100. <laughs> and Latoya. 150. We'll see. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, who knows? So, yeah, it was, it was a... Great year for discussions yeah. and, you know, a lot of stories and details that we hadn't ever heard before, histories of songs and how songs came about and recording of tracks that yeah. these these stories had never been told before. Yeah. So, yeah, just go back if you haven't and check out interviews that we've done across season three because there is for sure some of our best and – I've been quite proud that we've had some other people from the community on our show as well, like Hector Barjot from uh, his amazing YouTube channel with his huge collection. Uh, we had Chris Lacey just on our last episode, which was great. We had returning people, Charles Thompson, who we owe so much thanks for, for incredible episode contributions this year. And assistance with putting episodes together. We had the amazing simulcast with uh, Ryan from the Reason Bound podcast for our uh, Vindication Day episode, Pirates in Neverland. That was episode 58. Yeah. Yeah. That was incredible. We've had Andy Healy back on, James LA, Paul Black, all great Too many guys. people to remember. We had um, Isabel Petitjan for the first time on our on our on our station, she was episode fifty nine. Bryce Najjar, who we will be recording with, you know, over our break to discuss his book because we literally just ran out of time for the episodes at the end of this season to have again uh, Bryce on <laughs> again. The episodes at the end, they just like okay, we've got like a list of three or four. Uh, we got slots for two and we really only got the time to record and release one. <laughs> Basically so, because happens. there was meant to be a round table about what we would do if we were running the estate. That was just, we ran out of time to do that. A lot of these ones we, that'll be on the, on the schedule for next season. If you're wondering, cause we might've yeah. spoken about them in previous shows, but they will be coming. We've got a roadmap. But, we um, just ran out of time. <laughs> a a Q&A for you? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully that happens. <laughs> it might just magically drop over the break. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Just subscribe and then you won't miss out. Q, what has been, out of all the things we've just spoken about, what has been your highlight for the MJ cast or, or being at the MJ cast for 2017? Tito. 
episode 50 with Tito Jackson. Yeah, that's pretty, was pretty cool. Very hard to top. That yep. was pretty phenomenal. Oh, man. That is tough because there's been a lot of highlights. As hard work as this episode has been, or this season has been, it's there's been so many highlights. Why, why do you think like, it's been such hard work? Well, I guess this, like, what were you saying? With, this has been the first season where we've been covering releases as they've happened. Like the previous two seasons, we've been in pretty safe territory. We've been able to talk about the estate and our views on them without actually having to report through them doing their thing. Yeah, and I think people, they confuse they confuse criticism with like negativity. Yeah. And it's not always like that. Criticism of something is constructive. Um, yeah. Also, people confuse us mentioning something or a retweet of something as endorsing it. And it's like, okay, you need to just take a seat because that's not the same thing. So just because we're reporting on something or sharing news via a tweet does not mean that that is something I'm going to go and buy all three versions of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's been a really big year of growth for the MJ cast personally as, you know, as people like me and you and Charlie. And like it's been a really big year for us learning how to negotiate news and negotiate releases from the estate and Sony together as people and just learning how each other works. And it's, it's been a big year in that way. So I, I'm sort of, I look back and I'm, I'm proud of 2017 because, you know, we've made it to the end of this hectic year, but I think we've learnt so much from it for 2018 and beyond. Yeah. For, so back to the highlights, I'll say Tito, Vincent Patterson. Oh, that, that was, was a phenomenal hey, you, you, interview. I asked what? you what, what your highlight was, not yes. highlights. <laughs> well, you know me. I'm a liberal and I can't decide on anything, so I'm giving you maybe a top three. So I'll okay, say Tito, yeah. Vincent Patterson, which is episode 64 and 100% not to be missed. And to be honest – Maybe just because it's so fresh and it was so fun. I loved episode 71, the MJ 101 Bad 30 special with Andy Healy and Chris Lacey. Yeah, for sure. That's a highlight for me. So, but yeah, there's been so many, like, like I said, going through trying to find hot, like clips to do the highlight package later. The CJ Davila episode was amazing as well. That was that was a great. We've had you know so many great interviews. Jonathan Moffat, that was great interview. The stories, the detail that guy has. Yeah, he's got like a photographic memory. Yeah, so you know, literally some of the best listening ever, I think, in this season for sure. But yeah, I think I would say my top three would be the Tito. Vincent Patterson in episode 70 with Andy and Chris. And you, you were on it too. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what about yourself? Mm, I'll have to give a few as well. <laughs> yeah, that's um, okay. 
Probably, I would say, obviously Tito. Like, that was just insane. Uh, I think also seeing that we, through the Sky Arts thing and our interactions with Paris and Jermaine, seeing that we can actually make a difference in the community and sometimes we fight for things like the Casio tracks stuff and, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, our activism and whatever. I won't say too much about that, but just in general seeing that our activism can work when we come together as a community, that has been a highlight for me. Selfish one, getting to hear um, Get Your Weight Off Me on the Michael Prince special when he played that for us, that was... I wasn't there. I never heard it. <laughs> I got to hear That's it. That's fine. It's freaking awesome. Um, that was an absolute highlight. Uh, and I think as well, honestly, the, I got two more. One of them is this. We had basically nothing to do with this, but again, the, the Pirate to Neverland Vindication Day special that Charles and um, Ryan did like to me that was a highlight not not so much because we were a part of recording it but because it was really well received it charted really well in iTunes so again getting that truth and education out there about Michael's innocence that was a highlight and lastly thank you to Ryan I don't know if he listens to the show but huge thank you to Ryan for letting us simulcast that amazing episode that he and Charles put together by the way because yeah. yeah it was so well done put together and like really the only compendium of all of that discussion, all of those details ever is in that episode. So we're really proud that we got to share that. Yeah. Uh, And lastly, like you, I mean, I don't think I've had as much fun because I think people need to understand our specials. When we record a special with a big guest like Tito or Michael Prince, the feeling of being in the receipt, in the seat recording someone like that, it's not a relaxing feeling. It's, it's even though it might come across that way on the show and it is fun. Q and I behind the scenes, we're like reading questions, uh, shifting questions around, removing questions, adding questions, texting. It is a hectic experience. So like, even though it's really cool, it's I wouldn't use the word fun to describe. Not the at the time. Not at listening, the time. Listening back to the final product that you masterfully edit together is amazing <laughs> fun. Thank you. But putting it together, it is. Yeah, it was a lot of work. That that was a, just a discussion, you know, about the album and and Andy's book, and it was just. It was just really relaxed and it was so much fun. That was the most fun I've had recording an episode of the MJ cast all season. And I loved every second of it and it showed me where we can go in the future. So yeah, it was really, really, really cool. (laughs) Um, So yeah, they were my highlights. And there's in this Christmas episode, we've done a little segment that's shifting we're not including in this Christmas episode. So sometimes during the year we've um, mentioned when we've asked guests how Michael should be remembered that they'll be included in the final episode of the year, but we're actually not going to do that. We're going to save them. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna shift that uh, segment out now to be in the June 25th episodes moving forward from 2018 onwards. Um, the reason we're doing that is because we all already are going to have a retrospective in this Christmas episode, it's going to be uh, the highlight reel and a blooper reel. So 
it just makes sense to have how Michael should be remembered. It's a little bit of a sentimental uh, retrospective sort of segment anyway. So we're going to shift that out into a bit more of a, uh, uh, how would you describe that day? Uh, not sentimental. A day of remembrance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. So yeah. Uh, yeah, if you notice that one missing, then that's, that's why. And like I, each of us really would probably have a whole different list of people to thank. And we just, there'll be literally hundreds of people that we would love to thank. And we just, we would be here for another 15 hours thanking people. We can't do it because when you thank people, you always inevitably forget some people. And it's, you're right, Q, there's hundreds. So literally hundreds and high hundreds of people that we would need to thank. We, you know, thank you to, to Jason for really saving our bacon with yeah. recording and editing and releasing episodes while you were away. Like we're so grateful for that. Thank you to anyone that has contributed to the show. There are so many people. We've had so many people send in audio submissions from different fan events from Marnie, um, Anthony King, there's a bazillion. <laughs> like just bazillions of people that have contributed to the show and it's added so much to our show and we truly appreciate everything. We've had so many people guest on episodes in season three and we thank them all. Like there's so many, like we've had so many people that I could not literally at this five minute point, you know, sit here and go, well, not five minutes into the show, but it would take me way more than five minutes to go through all the episodes and list all the special people that we've had. So anyone that's been on the show that we've invited onto the show and has contributed, we thank you as well. Yeah. Someone like, um, someone we probably do need to thank absolutely is James LA because, um, again, the show wouldn't be possible without James. He, he is literally, he's the guy that, that supplies um, the server space for us to actually store all these episodes online. So uh, without James, it wouldn't be possible. Thank you so much, James, for all you do for the MJ cast. And Charles, again. Yeah, Charles has really stepped up this year in a big way um, in terms of there's been a couple of times where we haven't been able to release. Uh, Vindication Day is one of them. And also uh, recently with his Q&A, he literally stepped up and helmed shows by himself and did a great job. So thank you, Charlie, for that. All of your great legal updates as well. It's been great. I look forward to more legal updates as they come to hand from Charles Thompson. There is there is a couple of more people I'd like to thank. Um, I don't know whether thank is the right word, but certainly acknowledge. But it's kind of funny that, you know, both of our partners, like the Hubs and, you know, my wife, Lee, we, we do put a lot of time into this show, like a lot. A lot. Oh, my God. And, you, you know, know the- that when, you know, when the phone rings, the Hubs goes, is that your work husband calling? <laughs> I go, yes, it's Jamin. This won't take long. It's uh, he, he calls you the work husband. I. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but I, I just really want to, you know, she's probably never going to listen to this. Or she can hear me right now because she's right behind me. But I Hi, really, Lee. <laughs> she can't hear you. I know, but you can pass it along. I really want to publicly thank my wife, Lee, for 
allowing me to do this show because it does take up a lot of time in our family. And I'm going to be honest, quite frequently, and it, it encroaches on what should be family time. And, uh, you know, I do this for Michael. I do this for the Jackson family. I do this for, I should say we do this. We do this for um, Michael Jackson fans to bring them education and entertainment um, in their daily commutes and when they're going through hard times. And I, it's worth it in the end. But um, our, our partners are very, very patient people for, for allowing us to do this. So I'd like to thank Lee and thank the hubs publicly for that. Yes, he'll never hear it, but thank you, Hobbs. <laughs> Everyone appreciates the sacrifice. <laughs> All righty. Well, you know what? On that note, let's cut to a song break and then we'll jump into some Michael Jackson and Jackson family news.
Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Michael Jackson of the Jackson 5 wishing a happy holiday to all Motown fans. So our first little news segment story will be Paris Jackson follows in her father's footsteps and works with Lumo Vogue for a photo shoot. And she was on the cover, right? Not sure. I can't remember. I, I do recall seeing a cover with her in her awesome, red, stunning suit. That might have been the cover shot. Let me let me click on the link. And I hope that I'm even pronouncing it correctly. And was it 20 years or 10 years after Michael graced the cover? 10 years. It'd be 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Which, God, I love that magazine. That was great. Yeah, so did I. That was awesome because, you know, that was right after the trial and, well, actually, I should say two years after the trial. He'd been in exile, really, for a couple of years traveling all around the world and then, bam, it was really the start of the Thriller 25 promo was him on that cover. That's right. I got – that was a hard magazine to get a hold of at the time. I had uh, people send me a few issues from the U.S., and I, don't, I think Raul was actually working over in Europe at the time and he got me one. But it was yeah, a bit tricky to get a hold of. But It was classy AF, that's classy, for damn yeah. sure. As is the Paris one. Yeah, it, it is awesome. I love the suit. I, lo- I mean, all of her costumes and all of her um, photos are great in it, but I especially love the one where she's wearing that suit. It just like oozes power. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty, that is the cover shot. And she's got that gorgeous, like, diamond tiara thing on. And it's so cool how she's, like, showing tattoos off in the photos. Yeah. I love when she's got the slicked back hair. Yeah. In, in, in like, the, the desert. It's, yeah, some terrific, terrific photos. And, and a great interview, too. It was okay. I mean, I, I loved her answers. Um, I love how straight down the line yes. she is. I love her views yes. on the world. She's very progressive. She's very left wing, which, you know, we, both of us are. She's she's great. But I got to say, I didn't really like the interviewers. I mean, it's text, so I couldn't really read into the tone too much. It's not like an audio interview. But I didn't like the way he phrased some things or she phrased some things. The interviewer said to Paris that um, her father had an obsession with keeping his kids out of the public eye. Um, to me, that's just good parenting. Like if you're Michael Jackson and you're raising three kids and you don't want to see them go the way you did in the press, then you cover them up and you protect them, in my opinion. I'm supportive of the way Michael, you know, behaved with his kids in public, oh, save for the baby dangling thing, but, like, in general, like, hiding them away from the, the paparazzi, I think was a really smart move. We've got to remember this guy, just like in the song Privacy, talks about Michael Jackson lost one of his friends in 1997. Princess Diana died because of the paparazzi. I think Michael was wise in the way that he kept his kids away from the paparazzi and the press. And, and to see that this interviewer insinuates that he was obsessed with doing that to his daughter, mm, I didn't like that. But the rest of it was pretty cool. Afforded the kids a few times where they could go and do something in public, sadly without Michael, but just go and play in a playground or, or go out without their dad. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. Do do normal stuff. So, yeah, I mm, I'm supportive of Michael's behavior in that way, and I'm disappointed to see that a member of the press would insinuate that it was 
mentally, you know, strange to do that to his own daughter. But anyway, mm. it was a good, it was a reasonably good interview. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, this this got this got quite a bit of traction online, didn't it? Um, yeah, it was kind of weird that it got traction. I thought, but it was <laughs> it was a, a an interesting development nonetheless. Michael Jackson's estate files a trademark application for the phrase Neverland Ranch for a number of entertainment services, and the thing that mainly got traction was that it. In- Included, you could use that name for a museum. So I, I was also a bit confused that all the headlines like Michael Jackson Museum, Neverland's getting turned into a museum. It's like, okay, you need to read the article because you're clearly not reading the article. That's not what this is saying at all. No, I mean, first of all, the estate of Michael Jackson is clearly supportive of Colony Capital selling actual Neverland Valley Ranch because they're not they're not trying to buy it or what's it called Sycamore Valley Ranch now or whatever they're trying to sell it yeah. as then they're not trying to buy it so they're clearly okay with that property being sold so they're not going to turn it into a museum even if they wanted to they can't because of the um the zoning of the area according to the council and if you go to the Q&A on the Michael Jackson official website that they, they speak about not being able to do anything with Neverland it's not going to happen so for people to insinuate that this means that the estate are going to turn Neverland into a Graceland-style museum, it's not going to happen. Filing trademarks is actually standard practice in the industry. Uh, I'm a huge follower of uh, technology and, and Apple in particular as a company, and they file trademarks like crazy. They do it constantly, um, and they do it to protect themselves against other people filing the, tr- the same trademarks. It is just good business. It's a smart move on the estate's part to file for Neverland Ranch. What they may do in the future is start a museum somewhere in, I don't know, Vegas. And they Vegas. Might end, they might end up calling it Neverland Museum or something. That's what this is about. This is not about them turning Sycamore Valley Ranch into an actual museum. Yeah. By the way, just like hashtag save Neverland, I do not want Neverland sold. I think it's uh, just a massive loss. I want Neverland to be turned into something or that would be more a memorial to Michael and his spirit. So I'm not saying that I don't want that to happen. My God, I'm, like best case scenario on earth would be a museum at Neverland. Yeah, oh, that is the absolute 100% most perfect location for me anyway, like far more than like the, the Havenhurst house or something in Vegas or like a touring exhibition, which would be cool. And there has been many touring exhibitions. Sadly, I've never got to go to one, but things like that, there should be something permanent. And I think Neverland is the place for it. But, you know, even if it was an animal sanctuary, a retreat for people that had you know troubles and and things like that i don't want it sold and i think it's bullshit that the estate aren't doing everything that they can to to get it back but yeah this is this is not that issue yeah yeah i just hope you know if they're filing trademarks for stuff they actually get off their ass and do something yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's like a, a dual um, 
it's for a me double it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it is a double-edged sword. For well, for me especially and for as a as a fan of Michael Jackson and a podcast host, like I on the one hand I do want them to I do want the Michael Jackson estate to do great things like that to further his legacy and I do want them to create a Michael Jackson museum. But on the other hand, I don't know if I could personally go to it. And <laughs> uh, you know, you think knowing, they'll fuck it up? No, just knowing what we know about the estate and how they operate and and just knowing, you know, how utterly unethical they are. I don't uh, – it's so hard because I, I want them to do awesome things like that. But I personally, because I'm educated on it, couldn't support it financially. So, yeah. Anyway, I do I, – on a, as a, at a surface level, I do hope they do things like that. And I do hope one day there is a Michael Jackson Museum somewhere where fans all around the world could – pilgrimage to see michael jackson artifacts and and feel his i don't know i don't want to say spirit but his uh his legacy his his legacy yeah exactly exactly yeah 3t are set to perform live in naples on michael jackson day in 2018 and also in paris in september of 2018 as well I see a note here. I did not see this before. I don't understand any of this website. Let's try and translate on air. Are you kidding? Okay. So if you go into the um, Paris, click the Paris link. So the actual official website for where you buy the tickets to go to this is in French. So I don't understand any of it, but you don't just get the ticket. Like if you buy whatever this package is, you get a bunch more than the ticket. I just can't say it. I can't. I don't understand what all the dot points are. My God, that's such a great shot of the guys around that microphone. I love it. That's one of my wow. favorite photos of them. They are yeah. good-looking fellas, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Okay, so there's like a big <laughs> VIP ticket package, maybe complete. Maybe that means that's already sold out. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I mean, we can sort of... Uh-huh. I think that means that's sold out. That's sold out. Okay. Yeah. There's well, if another, you were lucky enough the, to get a ticket. Yeah, that would good for you guys. That's awesome. Because you're getting a meet and greet. Um, 45 minutes. A, what? That's so yeah. cool. There looks like a standing ticket and a standing and a poster ticket, which is the same price, actually, looking at this. 49 euro, I'm guessing. Yeah, that would be euro. Yep, there it is. So... It cool. looks good. That's and so cool that the guys are doing a couple of shows, especially, you know, um, celebrating Michael's birthday, August 29th in Naples, Italy. That's pretty special. That's the event that I'm pretty sure that's the same event that Sil Mortilla spoke at. Oh, yes. I think you're right. I think he went to that and gave a speech. Wow. That's yeah. very special. Good for you. Italian fans are just and French fans just rocking it with amazing events for fans. Cool. Yeah. So if you're in a, in Europe, especially if you're in Italy or in France and you're big fans of 3T, because don't forget they were massive in Europe. Uh, there's a chance to see them, a couple of chances. So yeah. we'll have links in the show notes. Actually, I think one of our uh, music breaks is a 3T track, isn't it? Yeah. It's the, I love you. Sorry. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I need you Christmas mix. 
I love you. Oh, my God. Too bad. I've already cut together the bloopers. <laughs> I know. You could use that next year. Yeah. Oh, man.
Hi, this is Tito Jackson of the Jackson 5. We wish everyone a happy new year and a Merry Christmas. So we've got some Jermaine Jackson news, and it's not just Jermaine, it's also including his sons, Jafar and Jamajesty. They performed together on stage for the first time all together. What a, what a proud moment for Jermaine. Mm. It was on stage in the Netherlands at the Max Proms event, and that was on recorded on December 2nd, and from what We've heard it then airs Christmas and I think New Year's. I think that's it. Yeah, we've we've got we've got an expert to fill you in on the details on this. We've got Yannicka from the amazing Jackson Source website, magazine, Twitter account, everything where Jackson Source is. Yannicka, it's great to hear from you. Take it away. Hey there, this is Janneke from Jackson Source in the Netherlands and I wanted to talk about my experience of seeing Jafar, Your Majesty and Jermaine perform together during the Max Proms event. This is an annual uh, network event and it's televised. It's a Christmas show and a New Year's Eve show that they're recording in one evening. But uh, when I got to Utrecht, I had an interview meeting with Jermaine and when I got there, the boys were fitting their clothes. So I... I asked what was going on and they said they would be performing and singing with their dad. So I assumed at that point that they would be singing like an ensemble all-star together thing at the end of the show or something. So I wasn't, that's, that's what I was figuring it to be. Then the next day I joined them to the rehearsals and I was sitting next to the boys and Jafar and Jamaja seemed a little bit nervous and somebody was coming up to them to get their inner ears. Uh, and I asked about their performance and them being a little bit nervous. And Jafar said they will be singing with their dad. And he said, it's just just us, just the three of us. And I was like, what? That is amazing. I was so happy to be there. And I immediately understood this was going to be magical. Because for me, as a longtime Jackson's fan, that's a dream come true. Seeing Jermaine and his boys perform and two generations of Jackson's on stage is just magic to me. So uh, I, our video recorded the rehearsals so they could watch and, and learn. And in the dressing room, Jermaine was watching that with his sons uh, and coaching them and, and teaching them how to do better. So that was cool to watch. And actually, Your Majesty was so nervous. He was singing his line all the time and it sounded great. Or his, the few lines he got in the song. And then the next day there was dress rehearsals and our video recorded that as well. So the boys were looking great, just like their dad. Uh, and then uh, after that performance, right after after they got off stage, I was watching Jermaine perform. Uh, and then I was video recording that as well. And then all of a sudden, Your Majesty is standing behind me saying, how do we do? How do we do? And I told them they they were they sounded great and they looked great. And it was just... It was just amazing to see that happening. And afterwards, Jermaine was so, so happy about doing the event to bring his boys out there. And again, this was just magic because I've seen Tito and 3T perform together during their tour. But at that time, 3T was already established band. They were, they were major at that time in Europe. Uh, but Jafar and Your Majesty, this was their stage debut, and I'm I'm so excited for their boys' career. But I will never forget that I was there and and watching them up close and personal prepare and do their thing and what they're and they just did great. So that's basically what I can say about the experience, and I'm 
very much looking forward to to it being televised on Christmas in Holland. And then I will make sure that the video gets out there worldwide. Merry Christmas to everybody and happy holidays. And follow Jackson Source for the latest updates about the Jacksons and the next generation. And also I'll be finishing the next the next Jackson magazine about 2017 um, over the next few days. So um, make sure you look out for that one too in early January. Bye-bye. Thanks, Janneke. That was really awesome. It's great to hear from our Jackson family correspondent uh, around what Jermaine and his sons are up to. I can't wait to see the footage of them singing. Looks like they've uh, done a really good job there. And I got a comment as well on how awesome they look. I'm just looking at a photo right now on Jackson Source website. And boy, do they look cool. I love the sequin sort of um, touches on the, the boys' Uh, jackets they look really cool but i love this is one of my favorite jermaine looks i i love this jacket he wears he wears it sometimes on the on the um tours he does with his brothers but it's just like this cool mix of like he looks like uh, a mix between like uh, a military person during the napoleonic era a like a circus ringmaster and i just <laughs> i love this um this like i don't know whether it's like a leopard leopard skin or something like the design on the sleeves and on the collars just looks really cool i love this jacket it's neat they've got that jackson style down pat that's for sure again thank you to yannicka i hope we get to hear from yannicka a lot next year with some more updates because that was really great and no one else can really do it any better like there's you know just Yannicka knows so much about the family and puts together such a great magazine and we get so much news from Jackson Source. The website is jackson-source.com and it's definitely a Twitter account to follow uh, over at Jackson Source and over on Facebook as well. So, yeah, big thanks, Yannicka, and we'll talk to you next year. Now, Q, speaking of... Jafar Jackson. He has recently done an interview with Decene Magazine, which I guess is kind of the first step in a promotional push around um, him coming into the entertainment industry and music scene in his own right next year. Uh, I've got to admit, I have not read the interview. I've seen the stunning photos of this great, great looking guy in the magazine, but uh, maybe you could fill listeners in a little bit on what's in the interview. Well, we'll have a link in the show notes um, to Jackson's source, which which covers this a bit. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is sort of the first step in a bit of a promotional push to get uh, Jafar out and sort of a, a bit exposed in the, in the public. You know, he, he's starting out modelling. Sounds like he's working on some music. And performing with his dad and his and his brother that's a pretty big step as well so yeah, yeah it seems like a pretty chilled out guy um i'll be really interested to hear to hear his music and the style uh that he's going to put together and, and share but yeah it's just an, another generation of the jacksons and and like it's in their dna so Absolutely, yeah i think sometimes it would be quite hard because they're, they're sort of in this family and it's in their DNA that somewhere in the industry, most of the family will, will end up and just wish them all the best of luck. 
Yeah, for sure. He's got a great coach, I guess, as a dad as well. I mean, Jermaine is one of the most talented Jacksons. He's clearly one of the most talented live singers of anyone in the family and is multi-instrumentalist as well because he plays a mean bass guitar, a bejeweled bass guitar. <laughs> well, he did that world record, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so best of luck to Jafar. Oh, speaking of Jackson Source as well, I just thought I'd drop in a little bit of information here. If you go to jackson-source.com, uh, I just realized I'd, I'd never sort of noticed this on, on Yannicka's website before, um, but just sort of right up the top underneath the news uh, she's got all links to the latest news right at the top, but straight under that, there's actually a little section there called upcoming events. And it's where all of the Jackson's like upcoming Jackson family member concert dates, except Janet for some reason. I don't know why Janet's not on there, but everybody else like Tito, 3T, the Jackson's, all of their concert dates are actually linked there with the date, venue, place, country, event title, and a link as well to the tickets where you can buy the tickets. So a really good place to see where upcoming shows are at. That is very super helpful. Yeah. Nice one. Alrighty. So Michael, okay. All right. Speak. We spoke a little bit earlier about this year having to deal with some heavier news topics and to close the year out. Like we've had some really good news to close the year out. We're going to get to, that in a little bit, especially with what's happened with the Wade Robertson thing. We've had some great news to finish the year, but, you know, there's been a uh, another sort of little controversial development that's happened recently, and that is that the Michael Jackson estate and Sony Music have extended their partnership. Q, I won't speak for you, but for me, like, this is not a good thing um, at all. We all know why uh, Michael Jackson did not want to work with Sony Music again. He made that clear. Uh, in 2009 when he wrote a list of all the record labels he wanted to partner with and Sony wasn't on there. We know that, you know, John Branker works for Sony Music as well as the Michael Jackson estate and Lord knows what he's done in the past. So for me, the, the fact that this relationship between the, the estate and Sony is now continuing starting January 1st uh, and Sony now will be in charge of administering Michael's catalogue as well in the future they will as well partner on potential projects as well moving forward like they have in the past. This to me isn't great news. I'm not overly happy about this. Uh, One of the chief reasons is of course that Sony Music to this day have refused to acknowledge that they are continuing to sell fake Michael Jackson songs around the world in the form of the Casio tracks on um, two, two albums you can buy on iTunes and many other places. Uh, I'm disappointed by this. I think that it, it, we know that many members of the family and at least one of the beneficiaries uh, really don't like Sony Music whatsoever. There's a photo on Paris Jackson's Instagram of her flipping the bird to Sony Music, a big Sony Music sign in the street somewhere, I think, in New York. It saddens me deeply that the estate has chosen to partner with Sony Music again, but there's nothing we can do about it. But still, news we have to get out there. Q, what are your thoughts? I think... They give zero fucks, and I'm not surprised. Like this, none of this news and this development. It doesn't surprise no. me. It yeah, it disappoints me. But there was no other avenue that they were going to go. Like they've uh, yeah. set it up that this was the only way that it was going to go. And uh, prediction is that you know they sold the ATV catalog. 
I reckon they'll sell the MJ catalog to Sony as well. That's, That's going to be if if they sell my Jack to oh. That will I, happen. That's my prediction. It will happen for sure. What what would ever prevent that from happening? At in this current situation, there's nothing that would prevent that from happening. So, but that's my prediction, and that's all I really want to say on it. And yeah, let's get to some other news. Yeah, let's know. keep the show moving yep. positively and yes. talk about uh, an extended version. <laughs> <laughs> oh great there's an extended version of the blood on the dance floor dangerous white pandrix mix to be honest i i this only happened yesterday or the day before i haven't heard it yet i've been so busy with work and exhausted that i haven't clicked on it i might like it more because i always said that they tried to cram too much in to like three minutes before so if this is an extended version if they've spread it out a bit it would make a lot more sense because like they were throwing every bloody kitchen sink and appliance and Michael track in this three minute dance mix thing, this mashup. I love mashups and I like a lot of remix, not a lot. I like some remixes. So I think one of the things I didn't love about the, the right panda thing was that there was just so much, crammed in so i don't know i i'm sorry i haven't listened to it yet but it's happened there you go there's news we'll have it in the show notes go listen to it yourselves and let us know what you think hit us yeah, up on us twitter know. at the mj cast yep good um, news good news awesome we're gonna wrap news. the news segment up with some good news hell yeah judge beckloff the judge presiding over the wade robson and jimmy save chuck child molestation case that they brought against Michael Jackson has thrown Wade Robertson's case out of court. Hopefully this will not continue any further. I do know before we all celebrate and, and throw our hats in the air, um, it is in most news articles that are reporting on this. It does say that the, um, that, that Wade Robertson's lawyers are planning to appeal this. Uh, I don't think it will go anywhere though, because the judge ruled that um, the Michael Jackson owned companies uh, were not responsible whatsoever for exposing Wade to Michael. You know, I was something interesting that you said, Q, and I was ready when I heard this news. I was ready to put a graphic out. I was going to make a little graphic with Michael and maybe doing a power pose with a with his fist in the air, saying, you know, maybe with the words "innocent" on it. But it's really important to remember that this case, the judge did not rule whatsoever on the allegations. He did not say that Michael Jackson molested or didn't molest Wade Robson. Just to be fair, what the judge ruled on was that the Michael Jackson-owned companies at the time were not responsible for exposing Wade to Michael, therefore the case couldn't go any further. So, uh, as you know, I mean, I'm not saying that I don't think Michael's innocent. I, I do, of course, and Michael is innocent, but this is not what this ruling is saying. So I'm glad you, before I made that graphic, you sort of calmed me down there a bit, Q, and said, no, <laughs> that's not what the ruling was on. <laughs> I love the graphic that you made. It was like perfect. It was yeah, case yeah. dismissed. Dismissed. It's and that's gone. what this was. This case is dismissed, which I think that's what happened to the Jimmy Safechuck portion. Am I correct? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. And then sure. before that, there was that mystery girl as well. There was like – it was like a whole bunch – all involved and then one by one they've all been 
dismissed and have not been able to go forward. There's been and lots. It, 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 a lot of people sort of just think, oh, yeah, that was only really um, Geordie Chandler and, and Gavin Arvizo. But that, to be honest, like th- there has been a lot of people that have come out of the woodworks to try and money grab from Michael Jackson, extending right back to the to the early 90s. And that is just more evidence to me that there is no smoke where there's fire or whatever the saying is because pretty much every man and his dog has come out and accused Michael Jackson of something (laughs) just to get his money. And there's never been any evidence ever, ever. Ever. So, yeah, like this story with Wade, oh, what a – oh, my God. I want to swear so much, but – as you'll hear later in the bloopers, I really swear way too much, so I'm sorry. Um, but he is a he is a effing embarrassment to Australia for this. It's just I'm so disappointed and disgusted in him. Like he was the kid we grew up all wishing we were with his, you know, friendship with Michael and stuff, and then his support for him in 2005, being the lead witness for the defence. And then he turns around and does this. Like, that's just disgusting. And this was just BS from the start. Come on, Q. Come out and say it. Swear. What is it? It was bullshit. It was. It was just ridiculous and disgusting. And, yeah, case dismissed. And, like, so many amazing responses to the tweets we got. Like, bye, Felicia. Just, you're done. (laughs) He is the weakest link. He's been voted off. Wade, piss off. <laughs> yeah. Another one bites the dust. That's right. But, you know, Michael was proven innocent. And, it, like, you know, if the FBI who'd investigated Michael for 10 years had found any evidence of anything related to anyone, charges would have been brought for that. Yeah, it's not like Tom Snedden wasn't trying to find evidence against Michael. Like he flew all over the world (laughs) trying to get evidence that Michael had done stuff. Even, you know, oh my God. It was just, there is no evidence because nothing ever happened and Michael was innocent and is innocent. So there we go. I'm very happy that we had this little bit of good news to report on. At the end of the year, so yeah, it's um, another victory for truth and for for Michael. So that's a, a good thing, and uh, hopefully, there's no other stupid, bogus, ridiculous money grab allegations that come out against Michael Jackson. But if there are, we'll be there to defend Michael all the way. Merry fucking Christmas, Wade Robson. <laughs> oh boy. What a joke. Anyway, that's the news for this episode. And And this uh, season. That's it. That's a wrap for news. (laughs) What a year. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll be on a little break until sometime early next year. Um, But if there's anything major, we'll be sharing it on social media. Yeah, for sure. Let's now cut to another song. Someday. Won't be boys Playing with bombs like kids Play with toys One warm December our hearts will see Oh, and all free Someday at Christmas there'll be no more When we have learned what Christmas is for 
Maybe not in time for you and me, but someday at Christmas time. Someday at Christmas, man will not have failed. Hate will be gone and love will prevail. Someday a new world that we can start with hope in every heart. Whoa, someday at Christmas. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Jackie Jackson of the Jackson 5, wishing happy holidays to all Motown fans. So now I guess this is going to be the highlight of the episode. I think this will be some season three highlights. And it was our biggest season yet in so many ways. And what an introduction coming back, launching season three with episode 50, the Tito Jackson special, phenomenal. Not only did we prank Laura, <laughs> how funny was that? That was good. The opening was hilarious because we'd completely punked and pranked Laura. Did She had no idea that the episode had changed and we were not doing a news episode and a catch-up with her, that we were actually interviewing Tito Jackson for his Tito Time album launch. So that was hilarious and so much fun. Thanks for trusting me with that concept. That was great. Yeah, no worries, buddy. That was awesome. Um, It was cool to be able to interview Michael Jackson's brother and guitarist of the Jackson 5. Let's uh, listen to a bit of it now. Tito, what kind of relationship did you and your brother Michael have? Very close. You know, uh, he was the type of brother that joked a lot. He called me TT. He was the only person. <laughs> he's the only person that gave me that name. And uh, he was a he was a lo- he was a loving and caring brother. You know, uh, he gave me uh, at the at the last court date that he was exonerated from. Um, on the way, I was riding in the car with him and my mom, and um, he said, Tito, I have a present for you uh, when we get to the house. I said, Michael, you don't have to give me no present. He said, no, I want to give you something. I said, no, Michael, I'm okay. He said, no, no, I, I've been thinking about this a long time, and I just want to do this for you because I have never done anything for you, and I just want to do this. So anyhow, we get to the house, and he takes me to his garage. And inside his garage, he's got like four Bentleys. And, wow. and he goes, pick one. He goes, pick one. I said, what? He says, pick one. I said, Mike, I can't pick one of your cars. He said, no, no, no. I have four of these and I got a whole lot more in the warehouse in Santa Monica. And I said, Michael, I can't take one of you. He said, Tito, take one of my cars. <laughs> so anyhow, I said, Michael, I don't know which one to pick. They're all beautiful. 
He said, well, if I was you, I'll pick this one. And I said, why this one? He said, Bill, because for two reasons, this is the one I drive every day. And, and this one, I, everyone that's sat in this car, I had them sign the ceiling of it, wow. you know, sign, sign a signature of it. So I said, are you sure, Michael? He said, yeah. So he gave me a Bentley. And the, that was one of the nicest things he's ever done for me. And, 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 uh, I have, so I have the, his Bentley with the Beyonce signature in it and my wow. mom, all these other people. So it's a great thing. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. And, uh, this might be, you know, quite sensitive, but, um, can we just ask what were your last words that you shared with Michael, if you don't mind sharing? Well, the last words I had seen, Michael, I had seen him something like uh, a month before he had passed away because we had a family gathering at a restaurant, and uh, at the restaurant was the entire Jackson family. You know, mm -hmm. all the brothers and the sisters and the kids and the grand, everyone was there. And that was just the last time I had seen him. Of course, we talk about old times and the mm -hmm. music and that whole thing, what, what each other is doing. And, you know, and just enjoy yourself and being around your family. And uh, I, that was the last time, the last words I had with him. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. So then after Tito Jackson, our next special was episode 52, where we got to interview uh, one of Michael Jackson's chief collaborators. Um, and in my estimation, probably along with Brad Buxer, uh, the most important person in Michael Jackson's creative life in his latter career. We got to speak to studio engineer Michael Prince. Phenomenal episode. This is a not-to-be-missed show. Episode 52, if you haven't heard it, go and check it out. Here's a little taste of what you can expect. so special to me and I, I just write down to the lyrics you know the last line of the song I mean I am forever is just so mm. hauntingly beautiful and I'd like to know from you like I mean I've heard rumors that that was the last full vocal that Michael ever recorded and I'm wondering whether you could tell us the story behind that song well he had a rough vocal on there already but um, I would say best of joy and um, I Was a Loser, and there's one other song, were the last three that, that we worked on. We, we recorded all those vocals at the Bel Air, Hotel, Bel Air Hotel. Once we got to the Carrollwood House, we were just sort of working on new music uh, with Nephew, and I don't believe we did a lead vocal at all. We did a few like vocal effects and things like that, but Michael never really sang at the Carrollwood House. Uh, so that was one of the last, if not the last one or two songs that he actually, you know, sang on for sure. Best of joy. I, I, and best of joy was one of those songs that was pulled from the tape vault. I had never heard of it before. Michael just, Michael had a memory, uh, for songs, uh, that he had worked on, but also songs, almost anything that had been a hit in the last 30 years, Michael knew it and could sing it to you right off the bat. And, uh, he said to me one day, he goes, 
uh, we need to call the vault and get a copy of Best of Joy. I went, I had never heard the title in my life. I went, okay. So this is like, you know, late summer 2008, and we're already in L.A., and I, you know, I, I have the song transferred, you know, digitally into Pro Tools and, and picked up a hard drive, and, um, and you know, we set up the mic, and, and Michael, uh, Michael re-sang that. Now, I didn't know this at the time, and that's one of the songs that he sort of had Ron a Feimster sort of redo the music to, and I spoke to Brad about this uh, a year and a half ago, and I said, "Yeah, I don't." I said, "I, I don't know who who the original music is. Just a drum machine and a Fender Rose." And Brad goes, "I did that." I went, "Oh, I didn't know that." Because you know, this, when you get a hard drive, there's no documentation. You know, it's just a bunch of tracks, and you have to figure out what's what. So um, I thought that was interesting. Um, so there was another sort of you know, thing that, that Brad and MJ had worked on that I wasn't even aware of. It, it might have been pre-1997, truthfully. I'm not really sure. The original music, I mean, the original idea. Yeah. Uh, well, it certainly went on to become something really beautiful. And he, his um, final vocal I've heard was, rec- you said earlier, was recorded in a hotel, I think you said. was it? Yeah. Yeah. In the, ba- in the bathroom of this... <laughs> Of he of his suite at the Beller Hotel. Wow. And did he was it just was that a very common thing for in his final years for him to re- record a lot of vocals or just it was a once off sort of. It was very uncommon for him to record vocals. You know, he was truly upset uh, when the song he did with Akon was leaked, um, and the name escapes me right now. You guys probably know what song. I'm Hold talking. my hand. Hold my hand. Beautiful song. Love it. <laughs> We would sit there and just be talking, and he would just get this sad look on his face, like, how could this happen? Because 20 years ago, this would not have happened, you know? And, you know, he, the song wasn't done. It wasn't to his liking yet. And somehow, everybody in the world has a copy of it, you know? And that really upset him, you know, because he liked that song a lot. And um, I think that really changed his overall view of the big picture on when he should and shouldn't sing. I think that made him, pushed him to not wanting to put his voice on a song until it was for a record and they were getting ready to really go for it. Because he realized even a demo with his voice on it, if it got in the wrong hands, could end up on the internet. Well, it happened to him twice in a row within the space of 10 years or even less, eight years. It was uh, Escape actually leaked, um, mm. I think, in 2003 or something like that, uh, and then Hold My Hand a few years later. So, I could ima- I can, yeah. I can only imagine what that would do to the mind of a perfectionist. Well, and it's like I, I talked to an engineer friend of mine, and he had flown over to Ireland several times with Rodney. Um, when, remember when Michael was staying at that that guy's really nice house? I forget what his name is. The the, the dancing guy, right? Flatly. Something flatly. Yep, yep, yep. And, um, and uh, I, I asked my friend, who's a good engineer as well, I said, um, I said, so you, you went over there with Rodney a couple of times? He, he goes, yeah. He goes, but we never recorded any vocals. And that didn't surprise me, you know? 
And in all the conversations I've had with John Barnes, John Barnes spent more than a year in Bahrain working with Michael. I never came out and asked him, asked him, but he sort of intimated that Michael didn't sing over there at all. I think he just, he knew that once his vocal was on there, if somebody put it out, he had completely lost control of that song. And as long as it was an instrumental, it was, it was worthless. Quick side question, because just because you mentioned Ronnie Jerkins, can't get your weight off of me. A, a legendary, unknown Rodney Jerkins unreleased track. Do you know anything about that one? Six seconds of it is leaked on the internet, or eight seconds. It's just the very beginning of his vocal. It's a very mysterious track. I'll just, I'll, I'll check if I have the word weight in, uh, on my computer. I probably don't. Um, not if you say only eight seconds was leaked. Let's see, wait. I have a song. No, I have it. It's, it's, it, says, it says, get your weight off me. It says Michael oh. Jackson. Um, oh, man. It's, it's five minutes and 17 seconds long. Um, The date on it is six twenty oh four. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's in the midst of the trial. Oh my gosh. Um, weight off of me, eighty five BPM studio calc. Somebody was figuring out like uh, delays and stuff for it, but so yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's I like it and I've never heard it before. So there's there's a there's wow there's. There's there's a treasure trove out there that uh, you know it's it's uh, I hope that uh, oh it, it's in the same folder with the original monster craze I don't know what craze is I'll have to listen to that one day I got stuff uh, in place with no names in here don't be missing Hollywood tonight in the back fall again I need, I got some songs I need to listen to at some point <laughs> I, again I mean I probably heard them before but um, what's what's amazingly interesting is that 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 song you just played us can't get your weight off of me to yeah. me sounded like a very complete production and vocal mm, like yeah i'm surprised that song hasn't come out that sounds to me as strong as escape and we've had enough and like it just goes back to that old story of the best songs from invincible sort of not coming out on invincible in some cases i agree and wow what oh. That that is, I literally, that sounds incredible. Well, I have my oh my god, I have my earphones in, so I didn't hear it that well, but I I could hear enough of it to sound like it sounds like a really good vocal and a really good song. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder how how I got it. I know I had a couple hard drives at the well, end. I of mean, Invincible that pretty much had everything on there but this wasn't a final mix or a mix stem or anything so it's kind of interesting there's there's a couple titles that the fans go kind of crazy over and that's one of them wow it's 
I can't believe this song wasn't put on the, one of the last two records, unless. Well, think- if the if the date is June of two thousand four, uh, Ultimate Collection I believe was released in October two thousand four. Is it possible mm. that uh, it was maybe in contention for the Ultimate Collection? Sure. Because that's where we've had enough was released uh, on the Ultimate Collection for the first time. Well, and they probably didn't want to, you know, if they think this, you know, they don't want to give you everything at once. So if they thought this song may have some, and I'd have to listen to the whole thing to really see, does it go somewhere? You know what I mean? Or, or because Michael likes songs that kept, you know, building as they went, you know, and maybe, and maybe the song uh, wasn't completely developed. I wonder what craze is. What's craze? I'm not going to listen to it, but. It says Michael Jackson. It says it's six minutes long. Hmm. I'll have to check that one out. What a treasure trove you've got there. <laughs> so close to, to MJ, like you. Because for you, this is, I, I know you love the art and, and you have a, a bond with, with MJ that, that we'll never get to share. But uh, to you, it's, it's sort of just a, a day at work. But for us, it's like, oh my. Like th- those few seconds you just played for us are like, what we live for. You're making me want to take my headphones out and listen to it. You know, I, I, I did, I did not know that song was in my computer. Episode 54 was another special episode. And this was another incredible collaborator, uh, who had worked with Michael Jackson. And I've got to say, picking a highlight out of this was really really difficult because there were so many incredible stories from behind the scenes. Of course, I'm talking about CJ Devilla, and I hope you enjoy this. It really will give you just a little taste. It's another episode that I really think you should not miss. So did he did he ever have any expert advice that he gave you or do you have anything that you might have learned from him? He no, he was never direct like that. We talked about we talked about like like I would I was interested in anthropology and science and things like that. So I would read the paper or or things like that. I would chat with him about things that I was interested in that that maybe because sometimes he was really just sort of quiet, you know, a lot of the time. Um, but, um, little things that happen would be like, he would mess with me a little bit. You know, he, when we were working on monster at that, at that point, he was driving himself down to the studio with Prince, with his boy, his little boy. And, um, he was driving this, um, kind of a blacked out Dodge Ram truck. It was bright red. (laughs) Totally. It was totally tinted out, and that's what dri- Michael was <laughs> open bed truck, and that's what Michael was driving to the studio, and he would just put Prince in a in a in a seat next to him, and he would just walk into the studio with Prince in hand, and Prince was maybe a year old, maybe eighteen months, I don't know, a toddler just wearing a diaper, fuzzy head, you know, and um, and uh, Michael would just walk in, and you know, for a vocal session. With no babysitter. <laughs> wow. So I had, I had to, 
I had I had to put Prince on my knee with my arm around his belly. So I had the I had his baby on my knee on my left knee, and I had my right hand on the remote for the recorder. So I'm recording Michael Jackson's vocals. I got a baby in my left hand, <laughs> and of course, not only that, I'm recording Michael, which is hard. I mean, recording him is really hard because he's fast. You 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 don't want him to break flow. You're trying to keep his flow going. So I'm huffing and puffing. The kid is squirming around. A couple times he hit the button in, in the middle of a vocal and cut the vocal, you know. <laughs> and then Michael's like, oh, Prince. Oh, you're so silly. You know, and, you know, I'm like, and I'm smiling and having a great time to Michael. But in my mind, I'm going, oh, God, you know, how do I? <laughs> damn baby is messing up my job. You know, that's how I was feeling <laughs> you know, at the time. I was getting so frustrated. But Michael knew that. And it was cracking him up. He knew I was sweating, you know, trying to keep up with the session and huffing and puffing, t- you know, babysitting and recording a vocal. He liked watching me go through that, you know, so. that That's an incredible story. Just to hear, that is that's a very, very different Michael Jackson, the real Michael Jackson. That's a different Michael to what the media portray, like a guy just driving yeah. himself down to the studio in a ute with his son. Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 I got another one. I can, I got one more story. It's my favorite story. I, I've told this to a couple reporters, but they won't print it, I think, because it's a little it's a little risque, I guess. And uh, 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 and I, I and I threatened to write it down on a, on a blog post sometimes, but I'll tell it to you anyway, because it's it's absolutely hilarious. It's, awesome. it's my it's it's my greatest Michael Jackson story. And it's kind of pertinent right now. Okay, so it's a bit risque. So I know some of I know some of his listeners are really sweet people. So I don't want to harm their ears. But uh, <laughs> but I know you guys are going, I know you guys are going yes yes yeah so, absolutely we are ready we are ready. <laughs> so we were this was at the record plant, and um, and I believe we were working on uh, a place with no name actually, and um, it was during that exact time during those sessions. This was the time when Bill Clinton, uh, the Monica Lewinsky dress, was getting tested for Bill Clinton's DNA. Yep. Mm-hmm. You remember? You remember that? Yes. Yep. Yep. So it was huge news, and of course, everybody was waiting. The whole world was waiting for the DNA report. Is it Bill Clinton's? You know, on the dress. <laughs> so you know, so I, I, I show up to the record plant early, you know, getting, get ready for a session with Michael. And Michael's already there. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe Michael Jackson beat me to the studio. I feel like an idiot, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. So I walk in the studio and Michael hit, is walking right at me. He goes, CJ, CJ, you won't believe it. What just happened? I'm like, yeah. He goes, Bill Clinton, his dress, the DNA, it's his DNA. It's for real. <laughs> and he's all excited. I mean, he's like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, and, and, He's 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 just beside himself, and he's looking at me and like I should respond, you know. And I'm like, and of course I already had my views about it. It was already in the news for weeks or months at the time he was getting impeached or this other stuff, you know. And um, and I go, Michael, I know all this mayhem over a lousy blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael, Michael doesn't like hearing bad words. I forgot, you know. But I was incensed because I was like all this stupidity over this, you know. And so when I said when I said that Michael 
hit the ground. He screamed out <laughs> loud, a blood curdling scream. Um, and he was on his on on the carpet. He he fell to his knees and put his face in his hands right into the carpet and screamed out loud in laughter. <laughs> so he was like full on boisterous, huge ha ha's. And so he's there right at my feet down in the carpet laughing. And I'm standing up and I'm thinking I'm fired. <laughs> it's all over. And I throw up my hands and I'm looking down at Michael Jackson, you know, crying practically. And I'm like, oh, CJ, you blew it. You know, that was a mistake because yeah, I get too comfortable sometimes with people. And you know, I just, you know, I, I, I do what I do. I'm who I am. So, so he gets up slowly and he's, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. He's like, he's like that. And I'm like, Michael, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to say that. And he's going, no, no, that was so funny. So, so, and then he's walking away. Laughing, wiping, he's crying. He was laughing. His, he was laughing, wiping his face, and he walks into the lounge and closes the door. And I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't feel I was like he didn't let me off the hook. I felt like I'm fired anyway. You know, he's gonna be nice to me, and then in two hours, I'm gonna get a call from the manager and I'm out. You know, so I waited, <laughs> and a couple hours later, I didn't get the call, and then we kept working, and then we worked for a few more months. So I. <laughs> I didn't get fired, you know, <laughs> uh, but he thought I, I gave him a big belly laugh, though. He thought that was hilarious. <laughs> what a story. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Very funny. Breaking the trend of speaking to um, Jackson family members and Michael Jackson collaborators in episode 56, we then spoke to one of our favorite uh, remix artists uh, remixed by Nick. And this was a really funny conversation because Nick, actually Skyped into the show while he was walking around the streets of, where's he from? Boston, I think, or no, Chicago, Chicago. That's right. Okay. Shout so, out to <laughs> Chicago. Um, and he, he was just walking the streets and man, you could hear everything. You could hear dogs, you can hear birds, you can hear trains, police, sirens. Um, you hear it's basically the soundscape of Chicago behind Nick for the whole episode. And he, um, that was funny, but he, we, we chatted with him about his process of remixing and um, heard some great stories from him about different tracks that he's, he's worked on and very, very fun interview. So I hope you enjoyed this little snippet of our Remix by Nick special. So you, there's a couple of other songs that you've had come out as well, Jam and Human Nature, and we were lucky enough to have uh, Jam premiere on uh, the MJ cast in season two. Thank you yes. very much for that, that opportunity. That was really cool. Talk to us about those songs because they're, they're a couple of like real classic sort of Michael Jackson songs that everybody knows. What was it like remixing a song, those songs because they're so commonly known? Yeah, Jam is really cool because it's really Bruce's song. And he had all these different sounds that he put together. Like there's um, one of the background noises is like a, it sounds like a, a train, like for uh, the railroad tracks, the sound of the bell. Yeah. And then um, just all these, the, the stab, that stab sound that's in there with the big orchestra thing, that's actually 
the recorded from the bad tour. That's actually the the hit from another part of me at the very end. Hmm. So getting getting into jam and exploring those little sounds like that was was really cool. And the snare was completely untreated in the original multi-track, which is it's pretty jarring because it sounds very flat and harsh at the same time. And it didn't have any of the compression on it, which is really what gives it that sound, that snap and that pop. And it gives it the punch. It makes it feel like like a snare, like a Michael Jackson song. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun technical challenge for me to try and match that same treatment that Bruce put on it to put the song back together and, and give it a vibe. And then when I went in to actually restructure it for the Redux, I kind of looked to to the Immortal mix that they put together because I that was kind of a fun rearrangement that they did on that. Oh, I love that with the basketball court and the squeaking yeah. of the shoes. It was, I love that. Yeah, so that slow kind of, not slow, but that sizzling intro without the beats or anything like that, that's that's kind of where I, that was my starting point for that one. And it just kind of, it went on from there. It actually started as, it started as a short, like one and a half minute, minute mix for a teaser video for one of the, in the studio with MJ seminars. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of started that way. And then I expanded upon that to create the full thing. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, my God. I, I would not have coped with a one and a half minute long version. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't long enough. I was like, because they asked me to, to put something together. And so I did. I'm like, this has to be longer. It's kind of it's really cool. We got to do a little more with it. So then I, I did the full thing and, you know, they got the teaser mix and then you got the, the full mix that you got to premiere. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank that you. is <laughs> definitely one of my favorites. I love your jam. Oh, it's, it's, it's a lot so of fun. good. It is. And it's, it's got the, the same essence as the original track and yours is like so detailed and no, I love it. It's definitely one of my tops. Yeah. The only thing I was missing for the song was there's a guitar that's throughout the song that wasn't included with what I got, but it worked anyway. So can't it's, complain about that. No. <laughs> Another one but, of my uh, top favorites is human nature. And you've got a, 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 like almost like a little uh, EP of versions yeah. that you put out of Human Nature, yeah. and they all work. Like I, I, I've got some favorites out of them, but they all work. And I do love the cover art, by the way. I thought that just fit so perfectly with the feel of it. Tell us about the Human Nature because like that's such a. Some people would cl- like class it as untouchable because it's perfect. But there yeah. are good mixes of it out there, but yours I really do love. So tell us about the human nature story. Yeah, I consider the original like one of the prettiest songs of all time. Steve Picaro's synth work on it is absolutely phenomenal. So trying to even touch any of that in any way is like, it's really hard to, to dive into it and, and do it. And I sat on the song for quite a long time before I got the courage to even attempt anything at it. And um, I was listening to uh, Chromio's song, uh, Old 45s. And it kind of has this, it's a mid-tempo, groovy kind of song, pretty simple. And I'm like, you know what, this would, this would really fit 
I think it would fit human nature. I think it would fit really well. So I went in and I, I sat down and I just, I figured out all the chords for human nature, which took a bit because again, graphic designer pretending to be a musician. And I sat down and I started playing around with some piano sounds and, and the drums, I, I wanted to keep pretty straightforward and just keep it kind of bouncy. And uh, it just kind of started playing this little melody and progression on it. And it had this tropical kind of vibe. And uh, it just kind of took off from there and just kind of started building up. And I, and I wanted to keep the original synth uh, synthesizer sounds in there because they were perfect. There was no reason to try and redo any of that. It just worked so well. And keeping that in there with doing a new bass line and new drums and a fresh piano, it just really kept the song grounded where it was, but took it somewhere new. And that was for the, the retro mix that was there. And then I kind of went into the tropical house mix from that point, because that was kind of uh, the big sound at the time, if you will, but it, it actually fit the song pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah. So I was in the right mindset for that. And it just kind of, it, it evolved. You know, it was a lot of the same sounds. I just switched up the, the drums a little bit and it, it worked out. It, it, it turned into that and I did some restructuring and created a, a vocal loop from that and just kind of played around with that, fitting it in and out with some filters and creating a buildup out of it. And it, it all blended together really well. And I was super happy with the results and I'm glad people liked it a lot. Loved. Capital loved letters, loved. <laughs> Not liked, so, loved. So which one is your favorite? Uh, let me those? just, I'll go and check on where I've got it on YouTube. Which is the one we put in the uh, mixtape, Jamin? We put in the retro because we used the tropical yeah. on the main show and then we, we couldn't. Oh, was it? I don't know. Let me have a look. I'll go Hang to the mixtape. Okay. I can't. I like the retro and the tropical equally. I think, I yeah, they're my top two. So speaking of the mixtape, you know, of course, uh, we're referring to our episode 49, which was our season two mixtape. And it's a 31-track mixtape of some of our favourite songs that we played in Season 2. And Remix by Nick had the honour of having nine tracks out of 31 on that little mixtape we dropped. That is fantastic. That's like, we just can't get enough. We cannot get enough. Legitimately. Super fans. Super, exactly, Nick. That's the thing. Actually, and Remix by Nick fan. I want to get a Remix by Nick t-shirt. When am I going to get a Remix by Nick t-shirt? I, you know, I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to set up a little store for everybody yes. to get shirts. I would be so proud to walk around with your logo on my chest. <laughs> It'd be a lot of fun. I'd love to see it. And then maybe somebody from the estate would give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> All these fans are wearing Nick t-shirts. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> so I, I think my favorite was the Tropical Remix. That's uh, six minutes and six seconds, I think okay, it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the one we played on the mixtape, actually. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Q. good. Cool, cool. Well, and it's actually got 29,000 YouTube views. Hello. Yeah, just a yeah not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> Damn. <laughs>
Episode 58, as previously mentioned earlier, we are very, very grateful to Ryan Michaels for letting us simulcast this episode, which was an episode of his Reason Bound podcast, which I highly recommend, by the way. It's called Pirates in Neverland, the Michael Jackson allegations, and it was made with Charlie Thompson. And like I said, it is the only compendium that I know of where all of the allegations and results are laid out over an audio uh, format for you. I don't even think that's anywhere in print really at all. And this was another one to really hard to pick a highlight out of because they hit the nail on the head so often. The discussion was phenomenal. The detail that Charlie went into was just beyond compare but here's a little taste, and this is a great episode to share around as well when people have doubts about Michael and his innocence because they just cover it all in episode 58. Okay, so let's lay this out in in layman's terms, or a bit more in layman's terms, so that everyone can understand. Because this this is a sticking point for a lot of people. They'll say, "Well, well, if he did it, why did he pay a bunch of money?" To that, I would respond with, "Well, if your kid, if you really believed your kid was sexually abused or molested, would you take the money and run, or would you not stop until you got justice?" Now, what you're talking about when you're talking about prejudicing the criminal case. So there's two cases that hopefully everyone who's listening to this knows, two main cases that happen, criminal cases and civil cases. Civil case, you get money. Criminal case is possibly a jail sentence or whatever if you're if you're convicted, right? Yeah. So in Michael Jackson's case, to sum up what you had said, before this went public, they tried to get Michael Jackson to settle for $20 million, and they said, then this whole thing will go away. Michael said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll fight it. Then everything yeah. went public, and then no grand jury would indict Michael Jackson for a criminal case, but the civil case kept going on. And so yeah. what looked like was because in a civil case, it's not, you don't have to find someone guilty. Um, the, the burden of proof is much lower. Yeah. It's, is uh, more likely than not. So in a criminal court, you have to prove somebody guilty beyond all reasonable doubt. Whereas in a civil court, it's 50.1 percent if you think it's more likely than not that it happened then you find in the plaintiff's favor and again we're talking about a situation that doesn't look good regardless of you think he's guilty or innocent it doesn't look good this yeah relationship with this kid so i would if i was advising him too i'd probably say "Ooh, the, do we really want to chance this because what would have happened the fear, if I understand you, is that so the, the criminal case was not going ahead. However, the civil case was going ahead. If Michael Jackson had decided to go ahead and fight the civil case, regardless of how that turned out, the prosecutors, the district attorney, could have gone and heard what the defense's argument was. And then had a criminal case happened, they could tailor their own case to work around any flaws that there might be, to have a greater chance at convicting Michael in a criminal court now that they've already heard all of the aces that were up the defense's sleeve, so to speak. 
Exactly. So they can come and listen to your defense, listen to you poking all the holes that you poke in the case, and then they can go, we now need to change our case so that these holes don't exist anymore. So it's like cheating, in effect. Now, here, here's my question for you. Why was there... This is what I'm assuming, and correct me where I'm wrong or, or right or whatever, but if Michael had gone through and fought the civil case and won the civil case, there probably would have been no more likely a chance that a criminal case would have happened. But if he had lost the civil case, Snedden could have used that possibly to uh, propel a criminal case to start? Or what What was... Yeah. So, well, what was happening was that Snedden would not let this go. So, um, although the two grand juries had failed to indict, he refused to close the case and kept making public statements saying we're continuing to investigate. It's known now that he traveled to at least three continents uh, to interview people who he thought might have been molested by Michael Jackson, who all told him to bugger off, essentially. Um, so he was traveling around the world trying to make this case work. He sent his investigators abroad also to investigate ex-employees, that kind of thing. It all fell flat. But he was spending huge amounts of public money on trying to prop up this case against Michael Jackson. What his motivation was, nobody really knows. Some well, he'd be in the history books forever. Well, yeah, exactly. Some people say he was a glory hunter. Some people say it was Ray Shaw. Some people say he was just uh, an obsessive prosecutor anyway. His his nickname locally was Mad Dog because he was known for being a ferocious prosecutor who wouldn't let things go. So I had heard about some sketch sketchy racial rumors about Snedden. Was there anything substantiated behind that? I've never seen it substantiated. The only thing that was questionable was um, during the trial in 2005, he referred to Chris Tucker, the black actor and comedian. He was a test. He was a witness that testified in the trial. Called him boy, didn't he? He called him boy. Yeah. He said, um, "Be a good boy," uh, something like that. So, um, but really, there were rumors that Snedden. I mean, Michael wrote a song about Tom Snedden where he said, "Do you think he's a brother with the KKK?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which probably didn't do much to help the situation but um you know i don't i don't think there's ever been any substantiation that that tom snedden was racist but nonetheless it remains a popular theory among fans of michael jackson yeah i mean snedden was old enough to know what the implications are of calling a black man boy i mean that is yeah. that is really strange it's an odd it's an odd choice of language for sure so yeah. basically at this point Snedden wasn't letting it go, so they were worried. So what you're saying is regardless of how, if they had fought the civil suit, regardless of the outcome, there still might be a chance that in the future Sned could, Snedden would somehow be able to get a criminal case started. Exactly. Okay. And if he did, he would have access to their defense through public record. Right. Okay. So Michael ends up settling the case because they, the defense, Michael's defense does not want Snedden to be able to work around the defense strategy if there ends up being a, a criminal case one day. Did Snedden ever close that case? I don't believe he ever closed it. No, I think it remained open at the time that the second case came around in 2003. It's because I, I believe that um, after the Martin Bashir documentary, there was some sort of statement issued by the police department that said, we continue to investigate Michael Jackson. Words to that effect. 
All right. So basically, Michael decided to settle the case. They settled. What happened after that in terms of if you could just briefly sum up the media's thoughts, public perception, what became of Jordy in the years um, since 1993 until 2003? So what happened was the settlement was completely misrepresented by the press on mass around the world um, who failed either failed to understand the nuances of a civil versus a criminal suit or simply chose to ignore them. So the story that was told by the press forevermore was that Michael Jackson had bought his way out of jail, had bought his way out of a trial. Some of the headlines at the time were along the lines of justice for sale. The story of why Michael Jackson settled was never properly told. This explanation of the conflict and the potential prejudice of a criminal trial. And it's important to note the settlement did not preclude the Chandlers from testifying in a criminal case. Um, so had Snedden brought a criminal case, it would have not stopped them from testifying at all. Um, they still would have been able to go into court and say anything that they wanted to. So the settlement also, it's important to point out, was for negligence. Michael did not in any way accept that he was guilty when he paid that settlement. Neg negligence for what? It just said global negligence. So it was, um, I mean, you could read that as anything you wanted. To be honest, it could be he was negligent to put himself in a vulnerable position. But um, it specifically said in the settlement that he denied the allegations. So the settlement was totally mischaracterized. It did enormous damage to Michael Jackson. Although he continued to be a massively popular pop star, in terms of his reputation, it made him a laughing stock, a punchline. Um, he was mocked. He was questioned. Um, it opened the doors for anybody who wanted to uh, try to sue him or wanted to try to get money from him or take advantage of him. They had an easy stick to beat him with. Uh, so you see there's a deposition tape which is available online, which was recorded in about 1996 over a completely separate issue. And in the middle of the um, the case, in the middle of the deposition, they start asking him all these questions about whether he's ever molested any children of no relevance whatsoever to the case. But you can see it just really horrifies and infuriates Michael Jackson. He almost throws his hat across the room. It ruined his life in a sense. And what you see with Michael Jackson is a, a massive downward spiral. You see an incredible artistic renaissance in a way or not a renaissance because he was at the height of his powers at the time anyway the dangerous album before this all happened was on course to outsell the bad album which had preceded him so you get the history album the history album is an incredible piece of work easily his most personal uh work his least commercial work of his adult solo career it's a, an incredibly expressive interesting lyrically you know, jam-packed with, um, it's probably, I've described it before as the most anti-establishment album you will ever hear by a mainstream pop star. People will think listening to that, that that's hyperbole because it's Michael Jackson and so many people have their idea of him as some caricature they've seen on a comedy show or some some half-assed tribute they've seen on an award show or something. And, and it's usually always, you know, you think, Fun stuff, beat zombies, it. thriller, yeah. beat it, smooth yeah. criminal. But <laughs> the history album is really, I remember getting that album and some of the stuff on, some of the music was so dark that it was kind of surprising. Like I couldn't listen to Little Susie, 
you know, for, I mean, if mm. that does not sound at all like a Michael Jackson song, like what you would think of, you know? And some of the stuff I was, I remember listening to when I was a teenager and thinking, geez, man, where was this headspace at? I mean, when you listen to Too Bad, and then the video mm -hmm. for that, again, written by, uh, the story written by Stephen King, kind of a sequel to Thriller. When you listen to Too Bad, every time I hear that song, I just think of him in the studio, just growling those lyrics, just thinking of, of the DA the entire time. Just like, yeah. especially when you hear that acapella, just all the passion in his voice as he's belting that out. But could you expand a bit on why you'd say that's the most anti-establishment album by a major pop star of all time? You will never, ever hear an album by a major pop star. I mean, it is just, it's anti-police, it's anti-military, it's anti-banker, it's anti-corporate, it's anti-lawyer, anti-insurance. He's ripping the shits out of everyone. I mean, if you look at some of the songs, like there's um, there's a song on there called Tabloid Junkie. Mm. And if you take some of the lyrics to that song and you just look at them on, on a piece of paper, you'd think it's a public enemy record. It's talking <laughs> about institutional racism. I think the second verse is something like, in the hood, frame him if you could. Yeah. Shoot to kill, then blame him if you will. But if he dies, then sympathize. Such false witnesses, damn self-righteousness. Yeah. If he's black, stab him in the back. Or in the face, then lie to shame the race. I mean, this the the whole album is like that. It's just furious. It's it's the uh, the song "Money," where um, he's talking about the military or the police, and he's talking. Um, if now you're wearing the badge, you're called the just you're called the just few. You're saluting the flag. Your country trusts you. And then he goes on to talk about, but actually, they'll do anything corrupt to get their hands on money. It's the whole album is massively anti-establishment the way he sings on the history album that you can tell he's really angry and it is a really special uh piece of work and that was kind of michael's response i guess to 93 because he had a gag order slapped on him in episode 59 this is this was an episode i wasn't on because i'm pretty sure this was around the time we were getting ready to have uh beanie our little baby girl uh, That's right, Jake Jason. He did Jason, this. He saved our bacon. He stepped up, and he did a great job. And this is our June twenty fifth special with Isabella Petitjean and Bryce Najar from France. And what a great episode it was! All right. Um Thank you for uh, sharing that with us, guys. And I have another question. What is it about Michael that you love today as much as back when he was here with us, uh, Isabel? Ah, the Michael uh, that I love today is really is still a magician. Every day I am surprised to see how much I discover things in his music. seems that we know everything about his music. 40 years we are listening to the Jackson 5, Jackson and all, but... There are so many surprises in his adult career, so much work behind each track, each song. It's really like uh, gastronomic uh, uh, cooking, you know. For me, he's still there uh, because he's still learning to us many things, not only about music, but about his way to live and his way to see the world as a, as a kid and as a, someone like a shaman. And uh, his life 
uh, is really a, a school of life and is, it is not a career for me it is a mission mm. so there is every day something new about Michael and each day I love him more because uh, I discover things I wasn't able to, to guess before and um, he's a rich person he's um, a number person and uh, we have many things to learn. Music for him was really um, a media, um, a way to communicate, but to communicate not only fun, only dance, and only all those things which are each important, but to communicate a, a wish, to communicate love, to communicate life and life beyond our life here, I think. is really interesting, is really singular, is really someone more than human. I'm not saying that he is uh, an E.T. Or, or God, but uh, he has a great soul. That's why, for me, he's still there and he's still alive, like he wanted to be through his music, his dance, and uh, all his messages. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Bryce? Oh, I, I think his voice is very special. And today, I have the sh- same pleasure to, to discover a leak song on the Internet. As when I heard uh, a new song in the 90s. To me, his music is out of time, uh, and I never took the artist for a product. Mm. People who think he was uh, just a superstar didn't get the point about the man uh, Michael Jackson. Yes. I think. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Episode 61 was, I would say, one of our most anticipated episodes ever. It was with the Sugarfoot, Jonathan Moffat. It was a terrific special. Like you said earlier, the detail that Jonathan remembers is just phenomenal. And like we ran out of time. There is so many other questions and we hope one day we get the chance to, to have him back and talk about so many other things because Jonathan's been there for so long and seen so much. And here's just a little taste of what, you can go and listen to again in episode 61, the Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffat special. And I've read online that the song that, that did it for you was Shake Your Body. Yeah, Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. It was a, was a hit at the time, around the time, and, and it was... Um, Interesting, because back in New Orleans when it came out, it was the coolest beat ever. Everybody, every drummer was defined if you can play Shake Your Body or not. You were defined whether you was a good drummer or not, a bad drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Most people couldn't play it. Uh, and the thing is, you know, is that they couldn't play it without leaving any element of it off. You know, uh, I had missing uh, something missing in the beat, in the song, in the groove. Are they trying to do something else on the kid? So, you know, in a way, sometimes, how do I put this? Sometimes... Ignorance can be bliss because I didn't know how the guy was doing it. I just knew he was doing it and it sounded like it sounded. And then I got to know, well, he's human. If he can do it, I can do it. I just got to figure it out. So I got to experiment on the drums with that beat, putting a needle back, you know, because we had the, the, the needles, 45s and LPs. And I had to get off the drums each time when I make a mistake and put it back and forth and run back and forth to the kit. So I just figured out and pictured in my mind as I'm listening to the beat, uh, a video in my mind of how he had to be doing it crossing his hands not to leave out the hi-hat. 
you know, and then I start scientifically experimenting in different ways. And then uh, Eureka, I came up with the way to do it and, and nothing was left out. So I had little when I did that, what sealed it for me with the auditions was that beat. But little did they know I had been I had worked that out back in New Orleans. And, you know, when the first record first dropped, then I had to play it on a recording session for a producer at Alan Toussaint's world-famous studio in New Orleans. He's a great producer, historic producer down there, who had um, uh, uh, one of his staff member producers, and I used to work for him doing demos, and he was producing this woman or this girl, and he wanted to steal that song, <laughs> so straight out, rip it off. So um, I had learned it already, and so I told him I could play it, and so we got in the studio, and I played it for them, so, but the brothers didn't know that. So, of course, when I auditioned, they were shocked. They were like, okay, we're going to see if you can play this. Nobody came in and could play it. <laughs> it I was pre-prepared. I already played on a record that basically the guys stole it. <laughs> so from, but uh, anyway, I, 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 they, they called that song after playing uh, Stop the Love You Save, I Want You Back, ABC, I'll Be There. Then that's when Tito said, okay, okay, we're going to see if you can play this. And uh, he said, do you know how to play Shake Your Body Down to the Ground? He said it with attitude, with his arm across the neck of his guitar, and had a posture like, we're going to see these guys. He had his hair cocked to the side, and, you know, his hair was cocked to the side, like, yeah, yeah, right. We, here comes another sucker. He's he going to think he can play it. We're going to see this. He can play it. Can you play Shake Your Body Down to the Ground? I said, yeah, I can play that. And I said it with so much happy confidence. He said, he, he sat up and said, what? You can play Shake Your Body Down to the Ground? I said, yeah, I can play that. I had total confidence because I knew it. He said, okay, okay. And everybody looking at each other. There was mumbling, uh, laughter, and murmuring in there and in the room. And um, it was in a studio at Havenhurst in the, the Brothers and the Family Studio. And, and they said, okay, we're going to see if you can play this. And so um, I said, okay, let's go. And, and they counted off, and I stopped playing it. And about 30 seconds in the song, Randy was there, and Jackie was there, Marlon was there, Tito was there, Michael was not there. Um, and, and all of a sudden... From across the room, Randy comes walking towards me, and I'm playing it, and, and everybody starts looking at each other. And the band members were there, you know, the band members were there, and they're like looking at each other, puzzled look on their face. I said, my, but I said to myself, "Oh man, I'm blowing it. I'm I'm screwing it up." I, they all looking at me funny. I'm thinking that, you know, and I'm playing it. I said, "I'm going home. They're not gonna take me." And, so, and Randy came over toward me, looked at me, turned his head to look under the hi hat and the snare drum. And he's looking around and he looked at the guys with this funny look and he put his hand on his mouth and I'm saying, oh man, you're blowing it. What are you doing wrong? And, and then he said, oh, wait, 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 wait. He waved his hand. Wait, you guys, wait, wait, stop. Sugar, stop. And I said, what? Well, I'm, I'm playing it wrong? He said, no, no, no. Just play it again. Play it again one more time. So I said, okay, okay. And I started playing it again. That's speed. And he said, no, no. He stopped me again. No, play it slow. Play it slow. I said, oh, okay, I've never played it slow before. I'll do it slow. So I played it slow where he can see the exchanges of things. And I start playing it slow. And he's looking at me, at me playing and, and, and analyzing my foot, my hand, both hands, and the way I'm crossing over to the times and different things. And then he grabs his face like real quickly and suddenly and say, oh, and threw his head back and, and walked and stumbled back from the, uh, my drums and looking at the people and the guys in the room and say, wait, wait, wait. And they start laughing and and talking and mumbling each other and Jackie and Marlon whispering each other's ears, smiling. I said, I'm thinking to myself, man, they laughing at me. I must be really screwing this <laughs> up. They laughing at me and stuff. And that's when Randy came back over and said, no, no. I said, what's wrong? I'm playing it wrong? And then Randy came to me and like laughing, smiling and said, no, no, foot. You know, you don't understand. I said, what? He said, that beat was a three-part overdub. 
I said, Tree Paul, what is that? I didn't know what that was. He said, Tree Paul, open it. He said, that beat was played three times, three separate sections. The drummer couldn't play it all at once. So we had him go play the main beat. And there was kick and snare hats with straight eighth notes. And, um, and then we had to go back on a separate pass of recordings and overdub on a different track, the hi-hat part that opens and closes at certain intervals. And then he said we had to go back on a third pass and overdub the, the time parts that interwoven in the, in the pattern. And here you are playing it all at one time and nobody else who came in could play it at one time. And I say, oh, really? Why they couldn't play it? And I was just puzzled. And I said, really? Why? And they bust up laughing. And he said, oh, and then he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, Sugarfoot, you are a drummer. You are a drummer. And he said, yeah, you are a drummer. And I said, oh, really? Thank you. And I was, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, he said, and Jermaine had first sent for me. He's the one that my friend got the call uh, at first that asked me to come to L.A. and um, be with, with him on some project. I never found out what it was about. But that's when Randy said, no, no, you are a drummer. Jermaine's not getting you. We, we got you now. Jermaine's not getting you. <laughs> drummer. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's how I got with the Jacksons. He said, you are a drummer. And then they told me, uh, well, uh, uh, Joseph, they call him Joseph, their father, and said, Joseph, want to talk to you. And uh, so now he said, uh, Come out in the yard. We ended everything because, you know, I had the gig. And, he said, and I went in the yard walking around in the field of the grass with Joseph talking business. And the first time talking with anything about that, my first tour ever. And he said, the, bro, the boys like you. They really like you. They want you to be the drummer. You want to be the Jackson 5 drummer? You want to be the Jackson drummer? Drummer for the Jackson, my boys. I said, yeah, that'd be great. I love that. He said, okay, yeah, we, they really want you. You, you. you hired. And that's how I got the game. Jonathan, that is honestly, out of all the, the years we've been doing this show, I think that's the best story, the best told story I think we've heard. Really? <laughs> I, I cannot wipe the smile from my face. That was you amazing. Paint, you painted a picture that was incredible. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed my story. I can't wait for that book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'll give it more detail than the book, of course. Another special guest we had a chance to chat to uh, who we just could not in any way cover their whole story in one episode was Vincent Patterson, who we spoke to in episode 64. Vincent Patterson is a film director, a choreographer, and just a brilliant visionary, visual visionary, who Michael got to work with uh, in the 80s and 90s during a large portion of his career, actually. They worked on um, Thriller together, Beat It, Black or White, the Will You Be There performance on um, MTV 10th Anniversary, Blood on the Dance Floor. These guys have, like, done everything together. And Vincent was a real pleasure to talk to, such a, a wonderful, humble, genius of a man and uh, I hope that one day we get an opportunity to speak to Vincent again about some of the things we wanted to speak of but we couldn't anyway here's a here's a bit of a taste of our Vincent Patterson special enjoy When I became a Michael Jackson fan, I remember Smooth Criminal being the short film that I was watching the most and going back to see the most. It, in my opinion, it's an absolute masterpiece. And, and I know Michael said during his career as well that it was the short film that he received probably the most comments about, most positive feedback about. Yeah. Talk to us about that process and, and what it was like making 
such a brilliant masterpiece of film. Well, it was so interesting because it was one of the first times really that I'd ever not worked with the, well, with Michael or with any celebrity where I was left to do such a huge project. Um, Originally, I was supposed to not only conceive it and choreograph it, but direct it. Later, what happened towards the end when it became part of Moonwalker, Moonwalker was going to become a feature film, did become a feature film. And so they had to bring in a director from the union, the DGA, and he wound up directing uh, that video. So, but he was very uh, appreciative of all the work that I had done and the storyboards I had done in the visual video, video at that time, recordings that I had made and cut together and you know, I had a visual storyboard that he almost followed shot for shot for shot. So his name was Colin Childers, and he was a great man, is a great man. I don't know what he's doing now. But Michael called me up one day, and funny story, I, I've said it a thousand times, but I'll say it again. I'm sitting at home, and it was nighttime. <clears throat> the phone rings, and, and I hear this voice, and he goes, Hi, is Vincent there? I said, Who's this? <laughs> it's Michael. It's Michael. I said, It's not Michael. Who is this? <laughs> no, really, it's Michael. It's Michael Jackson. I said, get the fuck out of here. This is not Michael Jackson. You know, and he goes, yeah, it is, Vincent. It's really me. It's Michael Jackson. I said, if you don't get the fuck off this phone right now, I'm going to hang up on you. He started laughing. When he started laughing, I knew it was him, right? I said, oh, my God, Michael, I'm so sorry. I never would have used the word fuck, man. <laughs> he starts laughing more, you know. He starts laughing more. So he goes, are you busy right now? He asked me to come over to his recording studio, which was around the corner where I lived, fortunately. So I went over and he had the song, he was playing it, but it only had Annie, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? And the music, it didn't have any other lyrics. So we talked for a while, he kept playing it. What do you think of it? I said, I love it, man, it's great, really inspiring. So we talked for a long time and about other things too, hung out for a while. And so I was gonna leave and he said, take it with you. I think it was a cassette at that time. Take it with you and listen to it and let the music tell you what it wants to be. And I said, I'm so confused, Mike. I said, what do you what do you want me to do? You want me to dance in this video or what? You know, this short film. And he said, no, man, I want you to conceive it and I want you to choreograph it and I want you to direct it. Now, I had done Beat It and Thriller with him and that was it. So I was kind of floored and a little blown away. But. Well, very blown away. But I went home for a week and I thought about it, I thought about it, thought about it. And I called him up and I said, okay, this is what, this is kind of what I see. Now I knew Michael loved old film and I knew he loved that kind of era. So, and I knew he was a huge fan of Fred Astaire. So, but I was not honestly, and I, I want to be really honest about this. People say, oh, you took it from the bandwagon. I really don't believe that I took it from the bandwagon. I, and I don't believe, I mean, Michael may have thought about the white suit and that white hat from Fred Astaire, but we weren't really even making it an homage to Fred Astaire. We were, I was not thinking about that physically or anything. I just created the piece. So what happened was Michael was in the studio recording his, uh, his album and he found it and he really couldn't leave. So he said, look, I just want you to cast it. I'm going to give you a stage on half the stage. They'll build the set on the other half. They'll build you a dance floor and give you a great sound system and give you a video camera. You create it, shoot it, come see me. Let's look at the stuff. Let's talk about it. And that's just, that's how we'll work. So that's basically how I worked. And I would create it. I would give everybody a dance class and create, and then I would move them over to the set. I turned them all from dancers to actors. 
I made them come up with a biography of who they were as this character. I made them come up with names. When they walked onto the set, they weren't allowed to just walk onto the set. They had to walk through that green door. And from the moment they walked into that green door, they were only allowed to dress themselves as the character. Once, the, once we were done rehearsing, they were allowed to walk out the green door. And as soon as they walked out the green door, they were back to who they were as dancers. So that was kind of how I got them to be actors. And I thought that was really important for this story. So I would shoot everything and I would go and see Michael at his Havenhurst house. And we would sit and watch everything. And, and he would always wind up saying to me, I think you need more people, don't you? Because it would start out <laughs> at 10. And I would say, yeah. And so he'd go, well, why don't you get 10 more people? Okay, cool. So I'd hire 10 more people. Then I'd come back and he'd go, you know, I have a friend, Jeffrey Daniels, and he's a street dancer and he's really good. And, you know, I, I was thinking maybe if you could bring him in with maybe five of his guys or something, that would be really cool. I was like, great. So now we're up to like 15 then I'm shooting and we're doing more stuff. And then he goes, wouldn't you like to have a second story on that place? And I said, yeah, I'd love to have a second story. And I'd love to have a stairway that floats down so that you can come down to the floor. He goes, I love that. I love that. I love that. Tell them that's what you want. So told them that's what I want. And I think you need 10 more dancers. I'm like, really? Yeah, get 10 more dancers. By the end, I think we had like 60 dancers altogether. I can't even remember. But and also what was wonderful was he would say, Look, if you want to, if you think in the musical break or something, we need more music or any way you want to redesign this. So we need more music. Just talk to me about it and let's do it. So, I mean, if you think about it, the, the, the music, well, the short film is 10 minutes long and the song is only what, four minutes long or something. So we added all that extra minute, maybe it's four and a half minutes song, but we added all that extra music just for the short film. So that's how I would work. And then eventually when I had the whole thing down, then Michael and I went into a studio and we started playing and worked him through every single section that he had to do with everybody and then gave him time to create all of his own solitary moments. Yeah. And then I'd put him in the room and we'd all rehearse together and go step by step. And if something felt uncomfortable or he had great suggestions, which he always had, then we'd change it. But basically it was the first opportunity that anybody had given me on that huge a scale to create something as important as that work. And, you know, to be with an artist who allows your imagination to just go wild is something that you can never, ever, ever um, appreciate as much as you wish you could. You know, I mean, I love this man beyond loving anybody, but I could still love him more. I mean, the fact that I said crazy shit like, uh, okay, how about if you flip a coin and it goes across the room and lands in the jukebox and that's how the music starts? And he was like, yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, other people would have said to me, you're crazy, man. Are you kidding? I don't have the money for that. Or, you're nuts, you know, but not with Michael. Anything I came up with, the lean, when I came up with the lean, he was like, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, we got to do that. We got to do that. And that kind of became like the the image of the entire short film is that lean, you know, so yeah. It was a dream project. It was a dream project on many levels. I'll tell you two more things, three more little things that were wonderful. One was that it was so much fun. Big celebrities came in all the time to watch because, you know, that they were all his friends. So Elizabeth Taylor showed up one day and hung out. Jimmy Stewart, he was so old, but he came in and he hung out. He was great. And Fred Astaire's choreographer, whose name is Hermes Pan, came in and hung out with us one afternoon. And he said to Michael and me the words that were, 
the best words that anyone could have spoken. He said, if Fred were here, he would love this. Michael and I just had the biggest faces on, biggest smiles on our faces, like two little kids at Christmas time or something. It was, it was amazing, you know, but that was one thing. The second thing is in film, the producers rarely let dancers and sometimes actors, but always dancers, they keep them away from the room where they show the dailies. Now, just if your audience doesn't know, when you shoot something, it goes to be printed and then the next day they show it to the producers and the, the director and the director of photography so that if there's been any mistakes, they can come back and fix it when we shoot during the next day. So we never get to see that. But Michael insisted that all the dancers and him and you know everybody who wanted to craft services, the people on the food, anybody could come down to the room. And as long as the room fit everybody, we could all watch. So every single day, besides shooting this incredible short film, we had a monster party where everybody would get up and scream for each other. You know, it was like a church meeting or something in the South. People were screaming, go, go, you go, girl, get it. Oh, yeah, Michael, you got it, girl, go, go. Everybody screaming, you know. <laughs> and then we would go back down to the stage and we would shoot again, you know. And it was it was great. And that crazy little section where they're all like, Annie, are you OK? Annie, are you OK? In the middle of it and it explodes. I used to give them as a director acting exercises, improv exercises. And one of them was just that, okay, you're a big mass of people and your, your body language is about confusion and pain and searching. And that's what it's about. And just see what happens. Well, we just ran the cameras. And when Michael saw what we did, even though the first time we did it, everybody was in rehearsal clothes. You know, it was such a unique experience for him. He had never taken acting class. He had never done anything like that. So when he did this improv with all these kids or all these bodies around him, these artists and saw how everybody was as into it as he was, you know, he just it blew him away. And he said to us all, we got to shoot that. We got to shoot that tomorrow. That's something that the world has never seen. I want that in this. I want that in this short film. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. So we came back and that's why that crazy thing is in there. It had nothing to do with the the the, the short film at all. It was just that Michael loved it and he wanted it in the middle. So anyway, those are three things about Smooth Criminal. Oh my God, I've got goosebumps. I'm, right on, now. <laughs> I'm on the floor. I'm on the floor. Wow. I've melted, melted into a puddle. <sighs> In episode 65, it was so great to have Mega MJ fan from France, Hector Bajot, join us and talk about his fan story and his beyond amazing Michael Jackson collection like some phenomenal stuff that he has. So I really hope that you all enjoyed hearing from mega fan Hector Bajot. Hey, you know how um, Hector's last name or Hector or the Bajot part of his last name apparently means crazy. You know how he told us it means crazy? Yes. What, what is that? Like why, why crazy? Like, does he mean like, cause he collects so much stuff. He's crazy or like crazy MJ fan. Oh, that's, that's how I, that's how I took it. I don't know. Cause he's a pretty normal dude, but, <laughs> are we are we that normal jamin really well, maybe not maybe we see ourselves as normal <laughs> do you everybody. do you really <laughs> hey speaking of um i gotta tell a quick story uh, 
Speaking of um, normal people thinking we're crazy, have I ever told you the story of when my when I went to stay at Damien Shields' house one night and my sister had to sleep in his spare room? Have I ever told you that story? No. Okay, so she's my sister Emily. She's sleeping in Damien's spare room, and Damien had left the cupboard open in the spare room, and this is the cupboard where he stores all of his <laughs> Michael Jackson costumes, like replica costumes, and. Um, my sister's trying to go to sleep and she can see in the cupboard and she's like looking at, you know, Billie Jean jackets, beat it jackets, the gold, the gold leotard the gold, from the day. The gold scream suit, the gold history <laughs> suit that Paul Black sort of gave to me and then I gave that to Damien Shields. Oh my God. And Emily's just like, what the actual? <laughs> I'm pretty sure yep. she was also surrounded by life-size cutouts of Michael Jackson cardboard cutouts that he's got from sony promo stuff over the years but oh my god anyway, only at a michael jackson's fan's house <laughs> let's listen Seriously. to a bit of uh let's listen to a bit of hector now with your collection how do you store it and how do you care for the different items in your collection? Do you have to make sure that they're looked after properly and not getting too dusty and things like that? When I receive my records or stuff, I, I like to, to clean the record to, to make him very clean. And after I, uh, I do some stickers, you know, with the name of the countries, the, the different countries to, to organize all the records together, you know, and to find a record. When I have to, when I want to listen some records, you know, I I can find it more easily, you know, when it's organized like with uh, by countries or by by years, you know. And you store it. Uh, you sort of have themes. You keep think collections with similar eras and similar events, and you have them behind the glass on on display. You know, I try to yes to organize the collection as well by eras, by by years, because you know um, there is no no good collection if you you can have a lot of rare items, but if you don't display them right, this is not very nice. You know to see. You know, I like to have a, a nice collection with a, a very nice presentation as well. You know, it's it's better like that. So is that your advice if you are a collector, even if you only have a small collection of a few items, your advice for fans is if you put it on display to have it not jumbled everywhere but yes, to, yes, to, yes, yes. to make the presentation something worth looking at? Yes, a good presentation is the, the best advice I, I, can, I can give. You know, I, I went... Uh, I went uh, to other collectors' house with bigger, bigger collections than me, but it was not organized and very dirty everywhere, you know, and it's not very nice to see, you know, it's it's not the same. So, so even if you're a fan with one little shelf, if you put your, your few items on there, then it's a good collection. Yes, 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 yes. And there's no, no competition, you know, be, between fans or collectors, you know, you have to enjoy your collection, if, even if you have only ten items. You know, that's good. You know, it's not. Uh, it's not a, a competition. You're... Yeah. 
you might you might not have many items, but something you might have might be really special and really rare. Yes, 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 yes. You can you can like some items be- for personal reasons. You know, I remember when I started to collect, I just bought all the CDs, you know, all the albums on CDs, and I was very happy with that, you know. And then I, I've started to, to discover some the maxi CD, CDs, and I start to, to buy that, them, and after, you know, I've discovered more and more items, so... Yeah, that... But at the beginning, it's normal, you have a little collection, but... That's that's nice, you know. Yeah. And you know, uh, uh, something interesting, because I uh, I've started to be a fan during the dangerous uh, era, and and then I had I have a, at that time in during the dangerous era I I had just the the dangerous and the bad album, you know. And then uh, a year later, in maybe nineteen ninety three. I, I've bought the Thriller CD, yeah, and I've discovered that Bidit was from Michael, you know, because you know when Bidit uh, was on radio when I was very young, you know, I've listened to it. I knew the the song before. I didn't knew it was Michael, you know. I've discovered that during the Dangerous period. Oh wow! You know, so because- even and and that was from you collecting. Yes, yes. I, I, I've just uh, in my head that I want to have all the all the album from Michael. So I bought three album, and then I discovered, wow, this is Michael who sing Beat It and Billie Jean. Wow, this is so cool. You know, I had no idea. You know, <laughs> it is nothing like the excitement of a new fan and learning everything for the first time. So for episode sixty-seven, we we had a chat with author and academic Joseph Vogel. One thing we love doing at the MJ cast is not only interviewing Michael Jackson collaborators, uh, but authors that write on Michael. And Joe certainly uh, is is a prominent author in the community, having written Man in the Music and uh, recently re-releasing Earth Song, which is a a book that deep dives right into uh, Michael's hit, Earth Song. In this episode, Charlie and I really also wanted to um, talk to Joe about his behaviours in 2010 and beyond in, in the Michael Jackson fan community when, when he decided to support the fraudulent um, Casio tracks. It's a, a controversial and, and difficult part of um, Joe's history in the community and it didn't feel right inter- interviewing him really without touching on that and discussing it and you know even, even letting him know what, what our thoughts were around his choices there to support the Michael Jackson estate and those fraudulent songs against um, the wishes of the family. Uh, so it was a, an interesting conversation and, and one that was quite challenging to have, but one that I think it was important to have. And uh, here's a little excerpt from that, that conversation now. If you're honest with yourself, do you, was there also a concern? You've got this agreement with the estate. They're letting you use all these pictures. They're letting you le- use all the lyrics. The book isn't out yet. Was there an element of you being worried about cheesing them off? Um, I don't think so because I could have easily just not reviewed it at all. You know, I could have just said, look, 
I'm not going to include the posthumous stuff in my book. I'm not going to do that stuff or I'm not going to do reviews. Um, Charles, to be honest, it was just kind of like at the time it was just exciting. Like, Oh, this unreleased Michael Jackson music, you know, which we hadn't heard really since the ultimate collection that you're going to get new brand new songs by Michael. Um, so I kind of wanted to, you know, be a part of it for that reason, because here you have brand new Michael Jackson material coming out. And, and so it was kind of exciting, but there was, there's never any sense that, you know, there was like some company line where they were saying, you must go out there and write a review and the review needs to be positive. Um, if I felt strongly at the time, you know, one way or the other, I could have just not written the review. I guess the problem for us as fans is like, we've got an email here that, that you're writing to Karen Langford, um, archivist at the Michael Jackson estate, you're doing the right thing on November 8th saying, dear Karen, I debated about whether to send this email, but here it goes for what it's worth. I am the furthest thing from a conspiracy theorist. I think you and John have done a remarkable job for the estate, etc. But the lead vocal on that new song just does not sound like Michael Jackson. And then two days later for the Huffington Post, you actually say, until a forensic analysis or some concrete evidence proves otherwise, the conspiracy theory doesn't hold up for me, especially after hearing the final album versions on very good speakers. So November 8th, you're saying the songs aren't real. You're doing the right thing. You're telling the estate, this isn't Michael. But two days later, you're publicly saying they're him. Let's endorse these songs. So that's the sticking point for the fan community. Do you regret now writing those two Huffington Post articles? Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Um, I wish I had, you know, I wish I hadn't written them, but it came from the right place because again, I sent that email and asked for clarification basically. And they gave me those, the, you know, they, they showed me the list of people that worked with Michael that could kind of, you know, talk to me and, and, and tell me, you know, what they thought about the tracks, which is what I did. And then they also, you know, talked about, you know, this elaborate process that they went through to verify their authenticity, uh, which, again, at that time, I had no reason to, you know, I mean, like, for example, if I think a vocal sounds off, but somebody says, look, we've had like a top notch forensic musicologist look at this track and and say that it was Michael, you know, it's easy, again, with hindsight, to, you know, to to. Yeah. To say, well, you, sh you still should have known better. But but when that evidence is presented to you early on, like that was compelling to me. I mean, I thought, oh, OK, look, his engineers, his you know people that worked with him seem like, you know, they overwhelmingly think it's him. They did this very e exhaustive kind of uh, search into its origins and into, you know, actually breaking down its components to see, you know, through like a forensic analysis. Like all of that was extremely compelling evidence to me at the time and so given that evidence i went forward with just reviewing it as if it were uh all you know uh original michael jackson stuff now yeah you know months later when i you know get more information um you know in terms of you know unlike for example the um brad buxer material that he worked on with michael there were no you know, computers that had that kind of documented, you know, all of the different versions of, you know, I didn't know that at the beginning, but like when that kind of information 
came out and, you know, and then some of those people that were originally listed as like saying that they were behind it, they kind of actually turned out to be a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they they had doubts, but I mean, uh, his family you know, at these, the time coming out and saying, it's not our son singing. It's not our brother singing, you know, that, right. that cast right. as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But again, like not everybody from his family was, was, you know, speaking out and there, there were people that were, um, you know, working with the estate on the album. I mean, like, you know, like his nephew was on tracks, you know, like Jackie Jackson was involved. So it was, you know, again, it was a much more muddled picture at the time, but I just want to reiterate, I never had any investment in those tracks. So like when, when more information came to light, it's not like I was ever pushing back against that. It was always like, okay. I think you know, your, if, if you, the investment more, you had in the tracks was your integrity in the fan community. And the, the reality is that Michael's three nephews, his daughter, his mother, and his brothers were saying the songs weren't real, but you, you were saying they were. Okay, and that's fine. But again, the people that I worked on my book with were people that that were working closely with Michael in the studio. So I didn't have, you know, I, I didn't interview Catherine, for example, for my book. I mean, I I respect her, but I never I didn't have like, you know, her number, her email to check, you know, like and and so um and again, like if they were saying that they didn't think it was Michael it's not as if that didn't have an effect on my opinion of them, of the, tr- of the tracks, you know, cause obviously like when I heard them saying one thing, especially, uh, you know, his nephews who I really respect and who I've, you know, talked to, uh, since then, um, I, I didn't think that they were coming from a, like, a, you know, any kind of, you know, I thought that they thought that they were, um, you know, not Michael. Uh, and so, you know, in the early days, based on my sources, I thought, you know, that they probably were Michael and that's what but, I went with. Well, and then when more, Michael, because on November 8th, you told the estate, and you didn't think it was Michael. Came, I'm sorry. Oh, you just said you, in the early days, you thought they were Michael, but on November 8th, you said they weren't to the estate. It was so fun again to have another thriller night special to celebrate Michael's holiday of Halloween with episode 68 was finally we got Ola Ray, the scream queen herself, the leading lady of the thriller video to join us and talk about her upcoming book project and what it was like to work with Michael Jackson. When, when I first met Michael, I was so nervous that night. He had a limo pick me up, and this is the night that they were shooting the uh, thriller scene. And I was so nervous. And somebody was at my house, and they were like, um, you know, here, take a puff off this weed. And I'm like, I don't smoke weed. And they're like, just take a puff. It'll calm you down. So I took it, and I didn't 
put any gum or anything in my mouth. So by the time I got to the set where Michael was, once he gave me a big hug, oh, hi, well, how you doing? This man, I'm like, hi. And he looked at me, he said, have you been smoking something? <laughs> and I, I, said, I said, no, what are you talking about? He just said, I can smell it, you've been smoking the weed. And I looked at my said, Michael, I said, no, no, no. I said, listen, I, said, I was so nervous at my house. And some but I gave it and like an idiot. I took a puff. I said, but I do not smoke weed. And I said, I was just so nervous. And he looked at me and he started laughing at me so hard. And he just <laughs> shook his head. And he said, oh, you, he said, you're going to be okay. You'll be all right, babe. Don't worry. You'll be okay. And so it was so funny. And then <laughs> another time after that, when we were on the set working, I, I was so nervous. I had to have tea in my hand, uh, a cup of tea at all times, a, a chamomile tea. And so he was like, are you drinking? <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, no, I'm not drinking. He said, why are you always with this cup in your hand? And I said, Michael, it is just tea. And he said, let me taste it. I said, okay, here. And, and he took a sip from my teacup. And you know, I still have that teacup, right? But uh, oh. he said, okay. He said, okay. But he was so sweet. He was always joking with me, telling me jokes about this, telling me jokes about that and, and having me run around the set. And, and but then when, when it came down to him, you know, like working like the first night that I saw him, he is such a perfectionist. He was like, okay, let's do it. And they would, they would do the thriller dance. And then it's like, okay, again, again, again. And, and then I had, I had a chance to like watch him when, when people would come to talk to him for business, you know, like all his heads, uh, like about at least six guys or so they would come and sit down and talk to him about business. So I would, was able to like sit there and watch him and, in action, and he goes from being, uh, you know, really funny and outgoing and telling jokes to a very serious person, you know. So he was really, really smart. I mean, we just had so much fun. I mean, I, I tell a lot of different stories in the book, in my book, but I, I, I don't want to spoil it for you guys. But I have lots of stories to tell you. We had so much fun. I think we fell in love. It's, uh, <laughs> I could tell you that. And the final episode that we are going to include a snippet of um, as a little highlight from the season is our last special of the year, which was the MJ101 special, Bad 30. We had the great opportunity to speak to Andy Healy, author of the MJ101 series, who's uh, just dropped his recent book, Bad 30, and also, um, by the time you're hearing this, Thriller. What, what anniversary is it of Thriller? 35. Thriller 35. And we also got a chance to talk with Albumism author and MJ Omega fan, Chris Lacey. Really great episode. We spoke earlier in the show about how great a time both you and I had, Q. And here's a little snippet of us speaking about the song Bad. We're going to get into a discussion around each of the songs on the album, uh, from the start of the album right to the finish, beginning with the title track, Bad. Uh, we're going to keep it exactly like um, the flow of Andy's book. We're going to do a track-by-track discussion, but we've got to keep it quick. Otherwise, we could be here for about four hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's, um, <laughs> so let's kick things off by chatting about the title track, Bad. So I wanted to sort of use Andy's book as a basis of this discussion. So for each track, I'm just going to pick a little paragraph uh, out of the the small chapter, and uh, then we'll we'll see where the discussion goes after that. So 
for the first track and uh, opening chapter of the book about bad, Andy's written against bristling accents that bubble and brew under a climbing baseline. This is Michael's response to the speculation about whether or not he could equal or even top the success of Thriller. With bad, Michael throws down the lyrical gauntlet when he declares, and the whole world has to answer right now, it isn't an overstatement, it's a declaration of funk. That line alone reflects the challenge and pressures of having to prove himself once more, and he more than rises to the occasion. Andy, thoughts on the song Bad? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, as you uh, brilliantly surmised there. Um, oh, that was your, your words. Man. That yeah. was your words. Um, yeah, look, Bad was, um, you know, Michael kind of stepping up and, and answering the critics that were questioning his blackness, that were questioning how funky this album was going to be, was questioning whether he was going to uh, chase a white audience more. And it is. I mean, if you look at the lyrics, it's kind of, you know, Michael refuting all of that and saying, you know, I'm bad. I've still got it. I'm, I'm still the person who you're all going to watch. I'm still the person who musically you're all going to follow. And yeah, and the whole world has to answer right now just to tell you once again, just to remind you why I'm here, why I'm held in such high regard and why this album isn't, you know, just going to be a, a, it's not just a a follow up to Thriller. This is going to be a standalone piece that will be judged and revered for, for time to come. Yeah. And it certainly had a massive impact. I mean, that song I remember I think I even remember the first time I've ever I ever heard it and I was just blown away by the layering of all the different instrumentation and vocals and just how it builds right to the end of the song. It just keeps getting more and more dense uh, with, with layers of instruments. An incredible opening track and it's sort of a trend that he continued from the thriller, well, really from Off the Wall onwards, of having that huge dance number to start the, song, uh, the, the album off. I love the layering as well. I, I adore the organ and the wow, wow in the background, so cool. The Which is claps. actually Michael. That's actually yeah. Michael. There like was so much experimentation think, with sound. Like my, most people think that the, the wow-wow is like a wah-wah guitar, but it's been confirmed by people in the studio. That was actually Michael, his voice, being uh, fed through the synclavia and, and modulated and stuff. But basically he was trying to, as much as he could, create the sounds that would end up on, on the track. And, and then, of course, the claps, you know, those huge hands of his the claps just like right through and uh, in the background there's that duka, 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 that just keeps the pace and just keeps like the energy up and it's so cool and of course it's like synth heaven like 80s synth heaven now in retrospect but at the time it was you know that was the sound i love it how about you chris yeah, um, I, I, everything you guys said, I absolutely agree with 100%. And to dovetail off of that, I I believe that this is really Michael's uh, version or his interpretation of hip-hop. Um, if you listen to the way that his, uh, his he delivers his lyrics throughout the throughout the verses, you know, it it, it really is him rapping in a way. Um, yeah. And so, I, so I always found that pretty interesting. And and ultimately, it's it's a to me it's a it's a nod to James Brown. Um, cause to me, he's the originator of, of rap, you know, just because funk, 
um, at its essence, you know, it, it, it embodies all of that, you know, soul, uh, you know, hip hop, R&B, like it, it was all of that wrapped up in bad. So I, I think I, that's the one thing I found interesting um, is that it really is Michael's interpretation of hip hop. And I think he knocks it out of the park. Do we think that it works better as a solo MJ song than a rumored duet with Prince? The, the mm. Prince, the Prince fan in me wants to hear what, what that would have been like, but exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I, as I kind of discussed and allude to, I don't, I think if there was to be a, a real perfect Prince Michael collaboration, you would want them both to be writing the music, both to be writing, Correct. Lyrics, both to, to be doing the production. I think yep. if it was Michael on a Prince track or Prince on a Michael track, it was always going to skew in one of the other's favor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and Prince, as he heard it, kind of said, look, this is going to be a hit without me. You don't need it. You know, but but still, I would I would just love to to hear what those two combined would have uh, would have would have sounded like. But I think ultimately it, it worked in Michael's favor because it is his statement. It is his kind of call to arms and um, it, it resonates more be, being a, a, a solo vocal uh, delivery. Yeah, yeah agree. Agree. Yeah. But would be um, so cool, especially if there was a video and it was a duet. That can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It, it it definitely would have been interesting if he was Wesley Snipes' character. Um, and, <laughs> and and to kind of um to go off of a, of a of a point that was made earlier, um and I believe Andy may have said this is that um, uh not only was Michael's blackness being questioned, but Prince's uh, blackness was being questioned around this time as well, because off of the success of Purple Rain. Uh, he came out with Around the World in the Day and Parade. And uh, there were grumblings within the African-American community that Prince had forgotten his funk roots. So I think that's why when he came on to Sign of the Times, which came out in March of 87, which I believe it was uh, uh, six months before uh, Michael came out with Bad, um, that's why you hear songs like Sign of the Times, Housequake, The Ballad of Dorothy Parker, etc. It, it was an intentional move to show you know, the African-American community, hey, I haven't forgotten my roots like y'all thought i fell off watch this and so i think that in a way lyrically and thematically i think it, it does kind of uh, parallel what michael was going through at the time but to agree with uh, the point that was made earlier i believe that bad is stronger as a as a solo michael jackson showcase i would agree and and before we get on to the next track the way you make me feel i got one last question about image and andy you spoke a little earlier about questions before bad came out as to whether michael was going to try and appeal a little more to a white audience or a black audience and chris you sort of just echoed that then as well about critics you know already questioning michael's blackness we can see on the album cover that michael clearly has um, lighter skin on that album cover than he had had on previous albums before but what's interesting is that i don't think Personally, that was a, um, a result of vitiligo myself. I mean, he, you can see on the Bad World Tour that he's very dark and Smooth Criminal very dark. But on that album cover, which came out before either of those two events, he has lighter skin and that's clearly a makeup choice. So do you think that any of Michael's own decisions in terms of his appearance were, and even in the Bad Music video were impacting critics discussion around that album at the time do you think he had any involvement in that whatsoever or not i think the um you know whether 
you know, this is a period where, you know, Wacko Jacko had kind of started. And in the in the absence between the Victory Tour and Bad, Michael kind of pretty much dropped off the scene, you know, was was uh, popped up here or there, but but musically kind of really didn't didn't push much. And so in that vacuum, you know, all those stories uh, that started to to kind of precede um, the launch of Bad made it possible for people to start kind of playing against the way that he looked and and started kind of making all those assumptions and questions. You know, Michael says that the Vida logo happened for him, I think he says around off the wall thriller era. So it definitely would have been affecting him how much it was, you know, widespread. I don't know. So I'm not going to comment on that. But I think there was definitely him dealing with that. But I think, you know, to, to Chris's point earlier, even the imagery of the bad album cover, the dance troupe that he's got in the music video, it's kind of a, a reestablishment in a sense of his blackness, despite what he might have been going through physically that was challenging that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that uh, Andy just said. Um, I, I do believe that his uh, his changing skin appearance definitely had an impact on how critics and fans, you know, received the album. And I think had that not been a factor uh, on top of the the wacko jacko persona with the elephant man bones and uh, the hyperbaric chamber, I believe that uh, bad would have been uh, perceived uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a better light than, than what it ended up uh, coming across as uh, at that time in 1987. Well, there we go. What a highlight package. <laughs> Damn. That was <sighs> tough putting that together. There was, there was a lot of things that we left out. Yeah. So. Go back. Right. If you haven't heard some of those episodes, go back. And also go back through the, the episodes listed like on um, the website in the show notes and then, you know, in your podcast app where the, the information of each episode is because in a lot of the, the news and discussion episodes, the regular episodes that we put out, the discussion topic that we have in those is often incredible listening as well. Like we had some great discussions with fans who shared fan stories um, and tackled some, you know, pretty big topics this year in discussion and reviewed a lot of like, like just so many things. We spoke about reviews like from TV, like uh, TV shows to products that were launched this year. All of those discussions are in the news and discussion regular episodes. So go through the back and find out like what did we think about the scream album what did we think about thriller 3d what did we think about navi's performance in searching for neverland or ernest valentino in man in the mirror so or maybe what charles thompson thinks of the weekend that's right (laughs) which isn't that coming up it's coming up because right now we are going to play our 2017 season three blooper reel enjoy okay everyone this is our main discussion start again hi every okay so everyone this is our main discussion oh my god (laughs) (laughs) jamin you're up oh i thought you were talking about uh black or white 
That's all good. No, um, number six. There's about half a question. Oh, right, I of course. To, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, Damon, wake up. <laughs> oh, my God. Jasper, this is not the right time to be crawling all over me and making this noise. Can you just go over there? Thank you. Jeez. Um, if you don't know who Jasper is, I did send a picture earlier in the chat. Is that your cat? One of, yeah. yes. He's the big, fat, <laughs> big, fat, cuddly, lazy one. But not the best time, Jasper. Okay. And in other news, uh, in a completely different... Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> this is the reason why I'm not a radio presenter, you know. Right. I mean, other news in a completely different... Oh, fuck. Well, we've got a special... Oh, I just said special again. I say special too much. Um, well, we've got an exciting episode. What did your original 1983 contract on Thriller sort of entitle, title to you, entitle you to? And uh, in other news, The weekend has released <laughs> I can't even and, uh, in other oh, news, I think we've all been waiting for this moment <laughs> in other news child. I don't know I'm trying to see if I can think of a way to to introduce it in a, in a really mean spirit I don't want to put you way. through this pain I'll give it one more go if I can't do it <laughs> I can't do it without laughing then you have to take over. And in other news, mad-haired pop twat The Weeknd has released a new Jacksons-inspired video for his song I Feel It Coming, featuring Daft Punk. Has anybody witnessed this monstrosity, and what are your views? Perfect. Greg, you can take it away. Greg. I mean, other news. The Weeknd has released his new Jackson the Inspired video. I feel it coming, featuring Daft Punk. What do you guys Hang think? Hang on a minute. Are you not? Are you not going to use my mad-haired pop twat line? <laughs> well, I'm happy to. We don't always have to share the yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I need to go to the toilet before I die, dude. Okay. Sorry. All right. Um, I will see you in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I can't Shane believe you like the weekend. I can't fucking believe it's it. Good. It's I good. I just can't believe it. It just makes me, makes my soul cry. It's not like, <laughs> you know, world-changingly it's, brilliant. To me, the, the vibe it's, of the song like, is cool. it's like saying I'm a Jason Malachi fan. I literally can't discern between the two. They're, they're both on the same level to me. Lower than a worm's tit. <laughs> Jamin, hello. Oh my god. <laughs> I we spoke over each other. <laughs> we do this all the time. I know. It's bad. Okay, you you do you do it. I'll I'll just be. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't there another article as well? Mm, About the thriller sales figures. Oh, I deleted that. Are you re- kidding? I read it back this morning and I just thought it was stupid because I didn't oh my actually. God. I read the whole thing last night on purpose. Oh, Five we can, pages can... I read. 
You can talk about it if you want. I thought it what, was silly. What did you not like about it? Because it didn't even say what the figures were. At the end, page five. Oh, was it multi-page? Five I only... pages. <laughs> I only read page one. Really? <laughs> Sorry. I should have crossed it out, not deleted it. I just thought it was so stupid. I thought the first page was the whole thing. No. Oh, There's sorry, like Q. Five, skip, skip to the last page and just read that then. A uh, little baby boy named Essa Elmana. Isa. Oh, for fuck's sake. You can I do it. I think it's Isa. Like, I, I mean, Cut, I was... Edit, edit, edit. edit. <laughs> not have... um, what else was I going to say about this one? All oh, right. So the runtime. You can't fit Michael's life in two hours. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> That's right. Just stop. That, it. A... How do I stop that? I probably should have done like a warning before that, not kid friendly, because I swear way too much. So <laughs> I'm, I apologize for that. Uh, we've got an explicit tag for a reason, Q. Yeah, it's me. That's the reason. <laughs> yeah. It's because of me. <laughs> That's all oh because my. of you. And Charlie, come on. He's, he swears like it's... Oh, Lordy, yes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's even worse in the group chat. Oh, my God. <sighs> oh, my God. There's words that I don't even say. <laughs> oh, wow. That was, that was fun. Um, Thank yeah. you for putting that together. That's okay. It's one of my favorite things to put together. And um, I'll make sure very soon to drop that as a standalone sort of video on social media and people can go and listen to our mistakes. <laughs> nice. With a little watermark in the corner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Oh, um, cool. What, what next? Well, we now are going to, before we wrap the show up, I think we should talk a little bit about what's to, what, what our plans are for next year, just to give people a bit of a preview on, where we're taking the MJ cast. We're absolutely not slowing down. We're not going to stop with three seasons. We're going to continue on for season four. Right after we have a little break, though, we need, a, we need to have a couple of months off to recharge. Yeah, and I've got a holiday as well. I'm trying to figure out the timing of this, whether that will be launching before I go on holiday or after, or if you're going to be launching without me because it'll be right when you want to launch that I'll be away because I'm going on holiday to visit um, my family-in-law in the Netherlands. Oh, that'll be fun. Make sure you go to Best this time. Check out the I will be statue. trying. I will be trying so much. We don't <laughs> usually – we're not hiring a car. So – but, yeah, I, I have a good feeling about this time that I'll get to go. So – yeah, I'll be visiting my family in Rotterdam and I'm very excited. It's been a number of years since um, I've been there. I can't wait to go back because I love it. And yeah, it's just going to be great to get back to the Netherlands. For sure. Yeah, well, I don't know when we're going to launch, but it might be a little bit later this year. Oh, sorry, next year in 2018. We might launch a little later than we usually do because I'm starting a new job. So I want to sort of make sure that um, everything's going smoothly at the new job. And so, you know, maybe late February or March or we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think we're going to be doing some recording over the break. So we're yes. going to have some episodes up our sleeve. So we need to plan ahead and not record because we know from experience now that the busiest time of every year is absolutely June. Oh, my God. With Vindication Day is June 13. Uh, and then, of course, uh, June 25th, 
We need to. Plan and then in August. Yeah, yeah. And that, then it, so that that whole middle period of the year, and then the end of the year, is just so flat out busy. Yeah, because it's, also it's you know crazy. day job stuff like you know you've got all marking and exams and all of the end of year stuff for school that makes it crazy at the end of the year. Yeah, so it, it gets hectic. But we'll do a bit of pre planning this time and see if we can record some episodes in advance. That's when things go their smoothest. Actually, when we've there's been times where we've had three, four, five episodes recorded locked away in the bag that. I love it when we're like that because we can just sit back and go, right, if something comes along, then we've got episodes we can just push out. So we'll try and get to that place again. Yeah, but what's to come for the MJ cast? We're getting a hot air balloon and we're going to have big speakers on it. We're just going to fly around the world and broadcast (laughs) from a hot air balloon with our logo on it. That'll Uh, be really fun. Yeah, you can do that. I'll I'll stay on the ground because I'm afraid of heights. Oh, okay. Yeah, that probably won't work really well. <laughs> All right, that's something we'll have to put a pin in and discuss a bit further then. You want to put a pin in the hot air balloon? It'll blow up. Oh, God. that I don't think that's what would happen, but anyway. Okay. So um, we're going to have – like we're sort of going to go backwards a little bit. We're going to just mo- shuffle, moonwalk a little bit backwards. Yeah, we want to – take the show back to what our original vision was in some ways and and this is something we haven't really spoken about too much um publicly but our original vision for the mj cast was to have a very strong emphasis on what we call correspondence just like a news service so you might watch you know bbc or something and they've got particular correspondence they might have a a u.s correspondent and a correspondent for another country that that kind of like call in or, or video in and cover news when necessary on those particular things. And what we want to do is is next year we want to go back in season four to having a strong emphasis on correspondence. One correspondent we've had on the MJ cast ever since the very start of the of the show is of course Charlie Thompson, who's been our legal correspondent covering the IRS trial, the Casio case, you know, Catherine's wrongful death suit against AEG. And we really want to have more correspondence than just Charlie and um, expand our repertoire, I guess. And Charlie, of course, will remain on as our legal correspondent, but we want to have um, other correspondents too. And we're not ready to announce who those people are yet. You can probably guess, you know, like we, we work a lot with Yannicka with, to do with the Jackson family. And we've had Anthony King on quite a bit to chat about Michael's live performances that leak out from time to time. So we'd like to expand that and uh, put more of an emphasis on people calling into the show when necessary to update listeners on important topics within their expertise. Yeah, because we're not experts on everything. Like, hallelujah and thank you, God, for Charlie Thompson giving us proper information with legal stuff that we just do. We we would be like (laughs) not saying the right things at all. So, yeah, we want to do that for a lot of other stuff um, and looking forward to that. Yeah. So that's one and big then, change that's going to come. Yeah, yeah, and then there's the other thing where there's too many gigapixels that are slowing things down in the hard drives and stuff. We yeah, we have got a Is that major right? problem. I got it right. I got you, it right. We we spoke wrong. about this at the end of last season. We need a tech correspondent. Sorry, brother. Um, okay, <laughs> so we um, we have a serious problem at the MJ Cast, and I'm sure some of you have realised it. But you can you literally cannot stream our show 
in any podcast application except Apple Podcasts or directly on the website. And the problem with that is, um, yeah, it's great if you download the show as a podcast to your device. That's how we prefer you to hear us. But a lot of people don't do that. And uh, as podcast apps are becoming more powerful and as places around the world are getting faster internet, people are starting to stream shows a lot more in podcast apps rather than downloading them because the internet's so good. You can just hit play and it streams and it's awesome. And the problem is our server, even though James is really amazing with allowing us to use his server space, I don't know what's causing it, but there is a problem where you can't actually stream the MJ cast on non-Apple podcast apps. And we need to fix that because we know that a lot of our listeners are not Apple people and that's fine. So yeah, we, we are going to move to a new server next year. We want to, uh, we already use Blueberry as our podcast SEO on WordPress and to track our stats as well. So we want to, Blueberry actually offer a function where you can use them as a server and put the show out through them. So we, we want to roll all of our episodes over into Blueberry and and use them. But unfortunately, the problem with that as well is that it costs quite a bit of money. And I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of dollars a year. It's um, the MJ forever. cast. Forever. Forever. The, the MJ cast is not a little show anymore. We, we, we're not going to, re- you know, talk about statistics, but we shift thousands of episodes a fortnight and we have shifted as many shows as in six figures at the moment. So we, we can't continue to use a little old server, you know, without spending money. We've, we've got this far without spending money or much money. We actually have spent quite a bit of money on equipment. But from now on, we, we do need to start spending money if we want to maintain and grow. So, um, yeah, we'll be spending money from now on on a, on a, on a decent server. Um, and with that is going to add some additional pressure to Q&I to keep the show growing, some financial pressure. Um, so don't be surprised next year if uh, we do start talking about finding some way to, to have an income for the MJ cast so that we can maintain what we're doing. Oh, but it's a good thing. Like it's, yeah. we, we haven't spoken about Patreon or something like that. No. And that's an amazing, amazing thing that a lot of podcasts do. And that's not, I'm not saying anything bad, bad about that that's a terrific avenue for, for shows and other mediums to, to get funding and we're not charging for the MJ cast. The MJ cast is for free. Like, so yeah, we're just, we're, yeah. And we're not, we're not even talking about like t-shirts and stuff that we had sort of maybe thought about early on. No, we, what basically we, we, we are going to investigate. We're not ready to announce what it is yet, but we are going to investigate putting out a high-quality product that Michael Jackson fans will really want to own and buy that um, does not mean that we need to rely on putting ads in our episodes, which we desperately don't want to do. And we also don't want to, you know, sort of ask people for money no. <laughs> through Patreon or anything like that. We want to actually create some kind of product and put it out that people naturally just really want to buy and enjoy. And then we'll take that funding and put it only ever. Basically I'll, I'll, I'll just say it right now. Um, 
Q, you and I have spoken many times in the past that if we ever were to monetize the MJ cast, the money would only ever go back into the MJ cast to buy equipment and server funding to improve the show and to charity. It would never go to lining our pockets. Um, and that's, if we do go in that direction, that's something we want to stick to. Yeah, because like we're looking at bills for the, for the servers in the future of hundreds and hundreds of dollars each year. Yeah, and so, it's not not just that. It's not just the servers. It's website hosting. It's you buying, you know, a decent microphone. It's me replacing mic cords when they die, which happened last week. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's just <laughs> things like that. And it all adds up, you know, to us um, spending quite a bit of money on this hobby. So we – and ultimately, like, it's not just about that, you know. Like, I've ever since we started the show, I've had dreams of being able to, to if we ever monetize it, f- you know, funnel some of that, that money into – good causes that Michael supported in his lifetime. Yep, 100%. 100, 110% for sure. There's some great Michael Jackson charities out there. MJ Fans for Charity, which is at MJFFC on Twitter. Those guys do a wonderful job. They, they funnel money that, that Michael Jackson fans give them into other particular charities that do great projects. So we would love to partner with people like that to, for a good cause as well. Yeah. And like when we talk about a terrific product, like MJ Estate Lawyers, sit back down, okay? It's not <laughs> his image and likeness and packaging something that's going to be like a merchandise thing at all. So you, y'all can go sit down because that's not the kind of thing we're talking about at all. No, it's, it's using content that we have created yep. with people in an interesting yep. and exciting way. Yes. What else are we doing? We are very shortly going to be putting out our annual seasonal survey uh, for you to give us feedback on the MJ cast. We love getting not only positive feedback, but also critical feedback because we... Constructive feedback. Sorry. Yes. I'll rephrase that. Constructive feedback. We, you know, I mean, this show is what you and I like Q. It's, it's, we, it is our show and we want it to go in the direction we want it to go in. But at the same time, we also want to take into account what people think of the show um, so that we can grow in a way where people are happy with. So please feel free to give us your feedback on what you do like, um, on some things you want to see maybe change or included in the show. Um, and we'll take that into account as we move forward. Just because you give us constructive feedback, though, it doesn't mean we'll definitely change to, to suit that. For example, a, a good example of that is every year we ask people whether they like short shows, long shows, or the length that we have now. And we all, what we always find is that- Is that a, Damien Shields <laughs> like short shows? <laughs> I'm just going to say it. We, yes, he does. We, we always find that a small percentage of people like short shows, but the combined amount of people that like the show length that we have now or our really long shows far, far, far outweighs the people who like small shows. So we respect you if you like short shows, but yes. you're in the minority, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and that's what the pause button's for, so you can go and do some other stuff because it's good value for money to have a long show. Last thing that we're going to be doing over uh, the Christmas break or just shortly after will be I, I'm hoping still to put out my own Q&A. Um, so Q, you have done QQ&A this season. Charlie has done CQ&A. And I really want to do a JQ&A. So 
I would love it if people could send me questions that they would like me to answer. I'll answer almost anything. Uh, there's a couple of ground rules. Uh, I don't want to answer any questions to do with specifics on Michael Jackson's health, especially around his cosmetic surgery. Sure, broad broad questions around that, okay, but nothing like about how many nose jobs MJ's had or anything. I don't, I don't want to discuss anything like that. And I think the best way to do those would be via email. That would be the easiest way to find them when we need to compile them all. Yeah, so, I mean, you can shoot them to us on social media if you want to, but the easiest way is the mjcast at iCloud.com. Just email me there. I'll compile them. I'm just going into – I just want to have a look at Charlie's one. He had a total of 41 questions. And I want to beat that. So please send me your questions. I want to get more than 41 so that I can brag and say that that I had more than Charlie. We'll see. You'll probably get more than me. (laughs) How many did you get? I don't know. But luckily people (laughs) sent me more than one question each so I can pad out the episode. No one wants to hear about Q. (laughs) You didn't advertise it, you nut. You <laughs> only talked about it to the show. show. Exactly, and that's where people listen to the show. Okay, well. Plus, I never had a meme. <laughs> I'm still yet to make you a meme. Yeah, I know. Maybe I'll get a picture of a jet in the sky and I'll just stick your face in the window or something like that. Um, Maybe. We'll, we'll see. see. Make All it right. funny, though. Make it funny. Well, that's uh, what's maybe coming in 2018 for season four. We're excited for it. And we're already talking about what sort of guests we might be able to have on the show. Um, yep. We'll see where it goes. That's it. Latoya, do you know any Christmas songs? I know one. Fantastic! <laughs> Look at the snow. Bring off the red nose reindeer. Had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names.
Hi, this is Jermaine Jackson of the Jackson 5 of Motown. We wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone that is listening to this podcast all over the world in countries I would never even have dreamed of people tuning in like the remotest corners of the earth. You sitting there, driving there, running there, gymming there, shopping there, wherever you're listening, I'm just so grateful and I really, really, really thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing and supporting us and, yeah, giving us your feedback as well. So I'm so grateful and I really, really, really thank you all for listening to the show. We've got like just age even ages, like I know we've got some kids that tune in as well, like Aaron and young Meadow. I know there's a young girl out there who's just an obsessed Michael Jackson fan, just like us, and I know that she tunes in, so shout out to Meadow, um, all the way up to veteran MJ fans who've been through so many incredible eras and are still supporting Michael. Like that just is awesome that you guys tune in and listen to us talk Michael stuff. It's amazing. So thank you to all the listeners. The biggest, biggest, biggest thanks in the whole world to you, Jamin, for putting this all together because like, you know, putting the show notes and editing these shows is such a huge process and like I don't understand any of that stuff way 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 past my understanding but I know that it's very exhausting and time consuming and it is very hard work to do it all and get it out and give us this incredible show and just I'm so grateful for all the work that you do because I get a glimpse of how much it is and it's a massive amount of work and it's so appreciated. So thank you so much, Jamin. Oh, well, thank you, Q. That means a lot. And I've got to say the same thing to you as well because you do a lot of work too on social media and um, sharing all the news and interacting with all of our listeners on social media. So you do a massive amount of work as well. And um, it's almost a full-time job trying to calm me down when I ring with crisis calls as well. So uh, thank you for all of that. That's okay. At least I can manage to like, Jamin, take a breath, sit down. This actually isn't, it's going to be okay. This isn't a big issue unless we make it one. So let's not do that. Oh my God. Oh my God. I hope, I hope season four is a little less political. (laughs) I just hope it's going to, it's been, yeah, let's, I just hope it's less stressful than this season. It's been (laughs) exhausting and stressful on occasion. This time I have a feeling season four is going to be not as much. Yeah. Hopefully I'll just go on hiatus if the estate choose to release a new product. Hey, (laughs) no, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thank you, Q, for everything you do as well. And um, I look forward to an exciting season four. And I wish everybody out there that's listening a very, very Merry Christmas. I hope that everyone's finding joy in some aspect of their lives, whether it's um, hanging out with family and having a really wonderful Christmas dinner and um, opening presents together or, you know, whether it's, um, you know, just 
enjoying Michael Jackson stuff. If you know we're in holiday break now, so just getting in and listening to Michael music and watching Michael videos and just having a great, great holiday break. And um, I just wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. And, you know, don't be strangers. Reach out to us, even though we're going on a break as well from releasing episodes. We'll still be on social media. So you can reach us at all of our um, social media places. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter as the MJ Cast. Um, you can email us if you would like at the MJCast at iCloud.com. We would love to chat with you all over the break about Michael Jackson and the Jackson family. Absolutely. Sending my best wishes of Christmas and the new year to everyone out there listening. It's been terrific. Three seasons in the bag. I still have to like pinch myself. It's like <laughs> we've been going for three years. That's crazy. We're about to start our fourth year. That is mind-blowing. But um, we are a podcast. Subscribe to us. Search for us in a podcast application on your device. You will find us there. And then you will not miss anything if we do drop the um, the Jamin Q&A episode or a mixtape or something during our break, you will not miss out. I'm looking forward to the chapters, maybe for the mixtape. That's going to be good fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to experimenting with chapters. It is a bit of extra work, I'll admit, putting chapters in a podcast episode. Because that's uh, what you need, more work. Mm, we'll see how it goes. It might not be something that stays around forever. We'll, we'll test it out. We'll see if people like it. If there's no feedback and no one's using it, then whatever. We'll go back to what we're doing now. That's it. Merry Christmas, everyone. And to all those people out there like myself that will be working and not with their loved ones celebrating on Christmas Day or New Year's or any other holiday over this time, I salute you and be kind to people that are working on these days, please, because they are working to make your day special. And yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you in season four. That is going to take some getting used to saying. Season four of the MJ cast in 2018. Thank you very much. And Michael on. Merry Christmas, everybody. Keep Michaeling. go in the bag (laughs) where is my husband it is 10 past seven yeah it's it's nine o'clock here where the fuck is he (laughs) seriously maybe he's i messaged him i messed as if i messaged him recording (laughs) at five o'clock that was two hours ago i will check where he is via his tracker you i've got to go and have dinner and start editing so yes the mj cast